does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Holtz on the move left to right. Back in the throw is Ellinger on play action. Feeling trouble in the backfield. He throws it upfield. It's picked off. This time the Texans have it at the 20, at the 15, 10, 5, and it's a touchdown. A pick six by a defensive lineman. Ellinger shuffles in the pocket left side, scanning, probing, fires upfield. The pass is tipped and intercepted at the goal line, and it's Kirksey, Christian Kirksey on the return. Third and eight for the Texans. Moving right to left. Deep drop for Mills. Shuffling left. Taking a shot downfield. He's got a man, and it's picked off again. Rodney Thomas. Ellinger out of the gun. Looks left. Hangs in the pocket. Fires in the end zone. Wide open. A touchdown. Mo Ali Cox. Colts have the lead. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Mo Ali makes it 27-24. They're at the Indianapolis 48-yard line with just under 90 seconds to go. Colts by a touchdown. 31-24. Out of the gun goes Mills. Ball in the far hand. Three receivers to the left. Backs to pass. Five-step drop. Fires down the far sideline. Has a man. That's Brandon Cooks. Did he stay in bounds? He did. That's a catch all the way inside the red zone. 58 seconds to go. Here's the game. It's fourth and 20 for the Texans at the Colts. 28-yard line. Empty set for Mills. Five wide. Three go right. Flush out of the pocket right side. Now being forced back in. Throws it downfield to the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown. And that is Jordan Aikens, and the Colts had a clear interception at the goal line. It was Rodney Thomas who mistimed his jump, and the ball went right through his hands into Aikens' possession oh into the end zone God. for a score. Lovey wants to catch an early flight here. Texans lose this game. They're guaranteed the number one overall pick in the draft. Let's see what they do here on the two-point conversion. Ogunbowale the back to the left. Mills trying to throw it. On the two-point conversion, fires upfield into the end zone, and it's a catch, and it's Aikens. Again, the tight end has killed the Colts today. Two touchdowns and a two-point conversion, and Houston now leads at 32-31. The Colts lose another heartbreaker. They lose another game here at Lucas Oil Stadium to wrap up the season. It's done. It's over now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. a dream last night and I want you to tell me if this dream was close to accurate but Josh Groban Mark I had a no uh, <laughs> my wife would love it if it was though sounds like him I, I had a dream that the Colts played a game against a team that with a loss would have held on to the number one overall pick in the draft and the Colts were trying to win that game, and yet the Colts are so abysmally inept and pathetic that the team that was trying to hold on to the number one pick in the draft won. And it was such an egregious yet predictable victory over the hapless Colts that their coach still got fired. Right, yeah. Kyle McNair was so mad at Lovey Smith, he fired him for 
I, I would say executing a comeback against the Colts. I would put it the opposite. I would put the Colts' futility led to further embarrassment. Yeah, I was driving to Lucas Oil yesterday, Jake, and I'm thinking, all right, in what way will the Colts embarrass themselves today? Yeah, that's kind of been the trend here. As of late, I thought, you know, getting down by double digits, what, five minutes into the game was probably going to be the level of embarrassment. But lo and behold, fourth and 12, fourth and 20, two-point conversion. Mark Dykton, tremendous there on the opener. Um, another level of embarrassment. And mercifully, it is over. Four, 12, and one. Seven straight losses, 10 of 11. And now how does Jim Mercer react to... As I've said now for months, uh, the most embarrassing season in his ownership. It, to me, so much of it boils down to this question for Ursay, Jake. Again, Jeff Saturday just went one and seven. He had a negative point di- differential of 80 in those eight games. By any account, it's one of the worst interim stints you'll see in NFL history. I, th- I think we have this like misconception that the interim head coach just goes 0-8 and loses every game by 40. That's really not what happens in the NFL. I mean, hell, you saw Steve Wilkes go 6-6. Denver, yesterday, gets a win with their interim head coach. Um, So the question, if I'm Jim Mercer, would be this. Does that mean that this was too much for Jeff Saturday and he's not qualified to be the permanent head coach? Or is this a reflection of the roster that Chris Ballard made? Or is it both? Because in my mind, Jim Mercer continues to be very open-minded to keeping together uh, the brass that right now is at the GM and the head coach spot of the Colts. I sent a tweet fairly early in the Saturday night game between Tennessee and Jacksonville. I think it was misunderstood, and and, uh, understandably so. I, I didn't do a very good job of wording it. But I simply said, uh, the, the Tennessee Titans have a quarterback that they got off LinkedIn like two weeks ago, and they're up 10 nothing in the AFC South Championship game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I realized Tennessee had lost six straight because Tannehill was out and Derrick Henry was out. But, but the point being, even though I realized the Colts do have Jonathan Taylor, but Tennessee going into, and you could say it's an indictment on Malik Willis, but but Tennessee going into the AFC South Championship game on a Saturday night against the Jacksonville Jaguars felt comfortable or confident enough starting a quarterback that they'd had for 17 days and then still looking relatively offensively competent simply because of a comfort level in the pieces that were around the quarterback position. So for the franchise that didn't go out and say it's about more than one guy, they were able to compete in a big game because they have a roster that's about more than one guy. The Colts, on the other hand, did a rotation all year long of three different guys at quarterback, and it was the same old song and dance every single time because everything around them, at least on the offensive side of the ball, was underperforming. Uh, Black Monday's here. As Jake said, uh, Lovey Smith fired late last night. And so right now, four openings in the NFL. That would be Denver, that would be Indy, that would be Carolina and Houston. The draft order looks like this. The Chicago Bears sit with the number one overall pick. The greatest win Lovey Smith has ever had for the Bears, Mark? Put him in the ring of honor that doesn't exist yet. Or would that be the NFC Championship game? Bring Davis Mills in in at halftime to flip a coin or something. Whatever you want to do. want to bring Jeff Saturday in. I mean, considering 
how you blew that game there late. Uh, so yeah, Chicago hold the first pick. Houston at two. Arizona three. Indy four. Seattle five. Obviously, we will break this down a whole lot in the coming weeks and months. Uh, the biggest question for me is how much does Chicago want to king ransom that number one pick? Because that is exactly what they can do. And if this draft ends up being viewed as Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in some sort of tier and then a big drop to the next quarterback, the Colts have got to go from four to one if they want to get one of those two quarterbacks. If it's viewed Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud... Is Chicago staying at one? Yeah, it, that that's the big wild card though, right? Here's the I don't thing. think there's this defender. Will Anderson, I know, gets a lot of hype out of Alabama, but I don't think there's this can't-miss defensive prospect that Chicago's going to sit there at one and say, we can't leave this spot. I think, and Mark can speak to this a little bit better, I think Chicago would be well-served to trade back, mm-hmm. collect a lot, and continue to build around Justin Fields. People yeah, were asking I, who you're going to take at one. I said, I would be absolutely shocked if the Bears are still at one by the time the draft rolls around. They have so many holes on their team. The question is, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are really good prospects, but are they the level of prospect that a team is willing to trade a lot to move up to number one? Like, could someone, for example, say to Arizona, if if Chicago stays put at number one, could somebody move up to, to trade with Arizona and vault Indy? I'm not ruling Arizona out either. I I know. Arizona's a curveball. If they have a new regime in there, Kyler Murray, I don't think that's a guarantee. But either way... that contract I know, but again, if you're going to hire new people... I mean, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are, you know, supposedly peanut butter and jelly. If somebody else comes in there, that could be totally different. What kind of jelly do you go with, typically? Just the regular grape. Same. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good morning. Peanut butter or do you go almond butter ever? Ah, uh, no, I know. Uh, it's way too sophisticated for almond, almond butter. Almond butter's pretty darn good, to be honest with you. Uh, good morning to you. It is a Monday. My name is Jay Quarry. That is Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin Aquaria, 93.5-1075. The fam, plenty to talk about. I mean, a full plate to begin the week for us. Mike Chappell, who is the dean of college, or excuse me, of uh, NFL writers when it comes to the Indianapolis Colts in town, going to join us at 9 o'clock. Uh, Mike Chappell, of course, with CBS4, Fox 59, covering the Colts it has since the time the Mayflower trucks arrived. But there is other stuff to talk about. For example, uh, Indiana losing yesterday to Northwestern, the Pacers getting a win, but the Colts will be the primary topic of discussion because the year mercifully has come to an end. And now we kind of turn the page less about you know what they did or didn't do in that particular game to get a win and more about who stays, who goes, what happens in that regard. Kevin, I guess the first question to ask for you would be, in your estimation, and I realize there's no definitive answer here, but just based on your experience being around it, in your estimation, today is January the 9th. Give me the date that you think we will have a clear answer on the general manager and coach situation for the Colts. Not necessarily on who's going to be doing it next year, but on whether or not the two that are currently doing those positions are here next year definitively. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, the back half of January, potentially the end of the month. I mean, insert your jokes here that obviously you thought you had that 
signed, sealed, and delivered back in 2018 until Josh McDaniels said, watch this after the Super Bowl. So that lingered into the month of February. You know, I've brought it up before in the show. We've seen Ryan Grigson <clears throat> do the season-ending press conference this week, which I believe Chris Bauer is going to do that tomorrow. Um, still waiting official word on, on Ballard doing the season-ending presser. Uh, but then we saw Grigson get fired you know, a few weeks into the month of January. And I guess that is a question that you have, Jake, is if Jim Irsay gets into this head coaching search, which I would expect would take multiple weeks, and all of a sudden he's blown away by a candidate, or that candidate says to him, hey, if you want me, I want to go a different direction personnel-wise, would Irsay grant that? And would that alter... Chris Ballard's role within the organization. So I think there's a couple of layers to it. I, I don't really expect, I mean, I don't really expect any sort of Black Monday announcement from the Colts. Like, Jeff Saturday's the interim. You have to have a full head coaching search. That's pretty cut and dry. Like, the Colts are not going to announce today that Jeff Saturday has been, will not be a coaching candidate. I, I fully expect Jeff Saturday here in a few hours when he meets the media to say that he wants to pursue this job full time. Um, I guess that would be a bit of a surprise. A bit of a surprise if he's all of a sudden had a change of heart in the last month. But that's it. I mean, technically, the Colts don't need to make any sort of announcement. They've already fired their head coach, and that would be Frank Reich back during the season. Ballard is under contract through 2026. For the time being, I still think he will be you know, operating in his role. How muted is that voice? I think that is a question. But, you know, I, I cannot stress this enough. You have got to take advantage of this coaching search if you are Jim Irsay. And I really am curious how candidates will react to the opening here in Indianapolis. Will they truly want it? Will they be invested to get deep into the process with Indy? Um, I think that is a concern that I would have um, when you talk league-wide. Because let's be totally honest about this. Jake Denver will not be calling Jeff Saturday's agent to interview him. Carolina will not be calling Jeff Saturday's agent to interview him. Neither will Houston. Jeff Saturday's going nowhere. If you want him, you're going to get him. So exhaust the interview process. Look at all these different candidates. He's their safety school. That's what I've been saying all along, right? Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he is that. Um, but again, how Jim Mercer is going to operate with all of this will be, you know, anyone's guess. It, it it's not a decision that obviously an answer is going to come on anytime soon. But Jake, when it comes to quarterback this offseason, it's the most important personnel decision this organization has faced, I would say, in three decades. Manning and, and, and Luck were were rather obvious. There, there was a definite path to go down. When you sit with the number four pick, it's not as clear. So in my mind, what the Colts do at quarterback here this offseason, uh, given a little bit of uncertainty in just how you find that next quarterback, uh, it's the biggest decision this franchise has had personnel-wise in probably 30 years. Yeah, there are so many areas, I think, Kevin, that we thought the Colts were in decent shape that this year illuminated also were not in good shape. The offensive line being one, that's probably the biggest mystery to me. Does it really matter who you put in at quarterback if they are playing behind this line? They tried every... You know, they tried to go with the saged veteran. They tried to go with a guy that would be more mobile. They tried to go with the young guy that was more mobile. Nothing worked. Um, I'll tell you one interesting tidbit that was passed along to me, and you tell me if I'm totally off my rocker, Kevin. Somebody sent me a thing. 
somebody that works down there, and they said, you know, it's interesting. After the game, Ryan Kelly was on works the Works at Lucas Oil, works for the Colts. Works, at, works at Lucas Oil, I'm sorry. Works at Lucas Oil. Um, hey, after the game, Jake, Ryan Kelly was on the field for an unbelievably long amount of time taking pictures with his entire family. His grandparents were out there, his parents. They were taking pictures at midfield. Not uncommon. It's the end of the year, right? Um, and But he said, uh, the only other person that I've seen that kind of thing with was last year with Jack Doyle. Is it possible that, that someone like a Ryan Kelly could surprise people with an early retirement? Yeah, I mean, he's what probably got to be close to 30, if not 30. Um, he's obviously been through a lot off the field. I think physically he's battled through a lot. Uh, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world um, to me. I think he's got a couple years left on his contract. I think he's one that you kind of throw into the, hey, what do you do with this guy moving forward group? On that end, and again, there's just so many personnel questions that will inevitably unfold no matter what happens, really, with what you do at GM and head coach. As Jake said, Mike Chappell's going to join us at 9. That's kind of an early rise for Chapp, but I was talking with him over the weekend, and I don't think there's anybody more plugged in um, than than Mike Chappell. So I thought with Black Monday here, um, Chapp would be the perfect person to have on and what he envisions for the Colts here in the coming days. The Pacers continue to be such a, frankly, like a beacon of light uh, here in the market from a sports fandom standpoint. Midway point of the season, they have won 23 games. They close it out really, I would say, mostly on the defensive end. Friday night against Portland, and then yesterday evening against Charlotte. You know, it was almost fitting in a way. We've talked about this with the Colts. The Colts have no closers. Stephon Gilmore, I guess, was the only closer the Colts had. And he doesn't play yesterday, and sure enough, the Colts can't close uh, that game. What the Pacers have this season, which is such a 180 from last year, Jake, is Tyrese Halliburton has shown that he wants the ball late and oftentimes can make those plays late offensively. But Miles Turner is a closer at the other end. And his ability to erase alter, protect the rim, and entering this season, I was thinking to myself, okay, I feel like the Pacers are going to make a jump in win total, Like, but but why? You know, okay, saying it is one thing, but why? It's the end of game situations that I thought they could make a jump. Turner was out for all of last year, or for a huge chunk, I should say. The fact that you have a closer in Halliburton on one end and Turner on the other end, that is a huge reason why they've made this turnaround really in the late game, the clutch moments, all of that. Again, they get two wins, Portland Friday, Charlotte Sunday, at New York coming up Wednesday night, the lone game here uh, until Friday, Saturday, a back-to-back at home. Did you see the reports? I can't remember if it was since we were together or since we did our last show. Uh, the Miles Turner apparently turning down offer number one. I did see that. Yeah, I think that was over the weekend. So, yeah, I don't think we've had an opportunity to chat about that. So is that a worry to you, or do you think, yeah, it's gamesmanship? Uh, deadline spur action. I think it's a month today, the trade deadline. So that's a lot of time, Jake, between now and February 9th to get on the same page. But I tweeted out on Saturday when I saw that news. If he does not sign an extension by February 9th, you have to trade him. You have to trade him. You, you have control for the next month, Jake. Somewhat control. Once the trade deadline comes around, and if he doesn't sign an extension, you've lost control. And you can't play that game. 
Right. You have to get return on him. You cannot think that you're going to get to the summer and think, oh, wow, we can execute a sign-and-trade. There's a lot of things that have to happen Boy, he is, for you to get to the sign-and-trade. He is such a big part of what they are right now, though. Part of my tweet on Saturday was, it would be a major loss. It would be a huge loss, but that's the reality of, of this game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I did find it notable, but still, a month is a long time to get back on the same page. How about Indiana losing at home? I, I've never heard this before. I had to chuckle just because I've never heard this kind of candor, if that's the word. Um, yesterday, I got in the car and I had to run. I was doing some stuff around the house and needed to run an errand. So I get in the car and I turned on Don Fisher um, in Indiana. And I hear Don Fisher say, well... This Indiana basketball team flat right now is getting its butt kicked by Northwestern. And I thought, wow, like that's pretty, that's brutally honest from Don Fisher. They were down 12 at the time. Came back. Um, Are they going to miss the tournament? I know I asked that to Rake on Friday. Threw the caveat in there of injuries matter. I I know we, we are still probably a couple of other home losses away from that conversation I, I being... I think it's fair to, to start to ponder, right? Very relevant, but I was looking at their schedule last night. We know what the road means in the Big Ten quite often. Difficult to win on the road. If you look at the home games that Indiana has upcoming, it's Wisconsin, it's Michigan State, it's Ohio State, it's Purdue... I mean, those are pretty quality opponents inside of Assembly Hall. If you can't control home floor, and again, the road is going to be a struggle for you. Boy, the... <laughs> I don't know if it's a slam dunk. Again, it sounds like Ray Thompson, I think Jeff Rabjohn's reported, could be back before the end of the season. We'll see when Xavier Johnson gets back, but defensively. Just such an issue. And I, I I didn't love the Mike Woodson excuses after the game. He immediately goes to Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson on the bench. Defense should be something that isn't as personnel-driven as some other stuff. And, and for him to go to that quick cop-out, I thought um, I thought was pretty weak. In addition to that, you know, why are we doing cigar-smoking victory parades about recruiting if you only have two guys on your team that can lift you? I mean, I know he's a young player. Wasn't Malik Renault supposed to be like a five-star, change-everything player? Tamar Bates, wasn't he supposed to be a guy that, you know, hey, he's a big-time scorer? Uh, you can go on and on and on down the line, right? But And this is true not just at Indiana, all teams, but are they really just a two-person roster? I mean, Race Thompson was really important. I get that. Uh, and he's out, and Xavier Johnson was really important. So I guess I should say, were they really just a four-person roster? And now it's just down to Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hood Shafino. Oh, only three name players apply. I, I, is that where they are? Some impressive response by Purdue uh, losing Monday. They get road wins again at Ohio State, which we talked about on Friday. And then at the Palestra yesterday, second halves in both of those games. Down at halftime, two road games. They win each of them. Uh, again, Zach Eady continues to be, should be the front runner for college basketball player of the year um 30 and 13 for him and Braden Smith huge on the road from the freshman point guard in both of those wins I don't know how you guys feel about it but like I always get to this Monday the second Monday in January and I'm like oh yeah the national titles tonight 
Oh, totally. I totally yep. forgot until yeah. I saw well, it. Why is it night. not Saturday night? I've always been confused by that. Why was it not two days ago? Is it because they had the football NFL? But the NFL letter? typically they doesn't usually do always it. go right. the last Saturday because of the season. it's the, the only season. sporting event tonight, right? But can't you, I mean, going up against NBA games on Saturday nights really going to alter you? Well, but Saturday night you have you know NFL footballs. But typically playoffs. that's not the case. It's the first year the NFL has slotted that final week of the season into the Saturday games. It just, to me, would make a little bit more sense to continue to play on the most common day that we think of your season. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. But I do think having it on a Monday night, I guess that was just their thought, was it then everything centered and focused around it. It seems like it would be harder for fans to travel to right i mean if it's a saturday you can go monday night you're you're sacrificing some things la right that's where we're at tonight i think that's right is it in the sofi yeah uh, last be like midnight by the time that game ends i thought i saw 7 30 i would love if it actually kicked at 7 30 i feel like 7 30 means like 8 08 kick uh last i saw mark and feel free to update me was it 12 or 13 the spread uh, I'd have to check on that, but that sounds right. Here's the problem with Cinderella teams. This happens in the NCAA tournament as well every year. Uh, everybody feels like in the NCAA tournament when George Mason makes the Final Four or Butler makes the Final Four or you know some Cinderella story out of nowhere makes it, that it's this great heartwarming story that the country rallies around, and the reality is the ratings go down. Tonight, Georgia and TCU. TCU is a great story. Great story. Plus, you know, uh, KG quarterback that's just, you know, a plucky guy that just makes plays, head coach that's taken a circuitous route to get there that was picked to finish seventh in their conference, and here they are. But TCU Georgia is not as sexy, even though everybody would hate to watch it, so they say. Georgia Alabama, Georgia Clemson, Georgia Ohio State, Georgia Michigan, Georgia Notre Dame, any of those games would do better ratings and have higher interest than Georgia TCU. And I hope TCU wins. I think it's a great story, and I think it's a, a really good team. Yeah, I saw Sonny Dykes mention yesterday that entering this season, they only had four guys on their roster who had ever played in a bowl game. You don't get this in college football, that this type of story in the national championship game. I would think the biggest worry for TCU, I, I actually think TCU is a can can hang in there. My worry is Kirby Smart was so pissed about Georgia's effort against Ohio State. That's now a week long of we need to get refocused again. So I don't know if you're going to have, and it's a national title game, you shouldn't have this, but I don't know if you're going to have like a natural overlooking given the spread though is at 13. Mark Dykton, you happier about the Bears number one pick or the Packers losing oh, last night? Oh boy. I, we were taking down the Christmas decorations in our house over the weekend, and I was like, maybe I might want to leave them up a little longer. This felt like Christmas. That was my perfect Mark's Sunday. Mark's just chucking ornaments Poor, around the house, thrilled. Oh my Poor Motman. He pretty much called what would happen there, didn't he? Oh, I have that audio, too. And you know what? Do you? Se- yeah. Seattle. my ringtone, I think. Seattle almost lost to the I mean, easily could have lost to the Rams, and that would have been Detroit would have gotten in. For those that went to bed late last night... I think Aaron Rodgers just threw another interception down the field, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Detroit with some gutsy play calls late, and they beat Green Bay. So the final NFC team is Seattle and the AFC. You saw it with the 1 o'clock results. New England losing. 
and Miami winning. So it will be Miami traveling to Buffalo as the seventh seed there. That Naeem Mines moment yesterday, pretty darn cool. Which one? Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, it, alluding to the opening kickoff, but obviously. For those not aware of it, Buffalo, Naeem Hines, I can't imagine anybody's unaware of it, but you know, so much emotion with Buffalo back out on the field and Naeem Hines taking the opening kick. It had been three, uh, three years and three months since Buffalo had a kick return for a touchdown. Naeem Hines taking the number three to heart and taking it all the way back and then deciding that, you know what, even though it had been three years and three months since the last time Buffalo did it, he said, let's just do it twice in the same game and did it later in the game. Yeah, that moment, Jake, and then John Brown's touchdown going over to Denny Kensington, uh, the assistant athletic trainer for the Bills who performed CPR on DeMar Hamlin, handing him the touchdown ball. I thought that was a pretty cool moment in Buffalo yesterday. We'll take your calls, 317-239-1070. Again, Mike Chappell going to join us at 9 o'clock. It's our final installment of fan tweets uh, per usual some ones that really, really made me chuckle yesterday from that one. We'll break it all down for you. Good Monday morning to you. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, there's no way we can start with the Colts. we got to start with the Pacers. They win on Friday and Sunday. Midway point of the season, they are 23-18 on the year. They've won 8 of 10, 6 of 7. And again, they are closing it out quite often on the defensive end of the floor. That's what they did. Thank you, Mark, Kevin, for that. Kevin's bank account. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, on Friday and Sunday. One thing that is impressive to me, too, and I guess this was going from Wednesday's loss at Philly to Friday beating Portland. Jake, I don't feel like they've let losses snowball this year. Like, yeah, they had fair. many, like, two or even three-game losing streaks? You know, they've done a really nice job in responding and bouncing back. So, at New York coming up on Wednesday, I have a feeling Tyrese... Ha- well, Wally Zerbiak and Tyrese Halliburton have a moment before the game? Wally Zerbiak's doing some college basketball stuff as well. Um, he has very strange eyebrows. Have you ever noticed that? Boy, he can't looks say like I've Eugene, locked in on his Wally eyebrows Zerbiak's are like Eugene eyebrows. Levy. That's what his eyebrows look like. I'm just saying. He was a really nice-looking guy as a college player. Now he's looks he looks weirder. We'll just tell your mother that uh, that we ate it all. <laughs> well, well played, there, Mark. College basketball yesterday it was Northwestern over Indiana, eighty-four, eighty-three, spoiling a thirty-three-point performance from Jalen Hood, Shafino, Trace Jackson, Davis had twenty-four boy, uh, boards. Easy for me to say, but Indiana now ten and five overall, one and three. In the Big Ten. Next in action on Wednesday at Penn State. Speaking of the Nittany Lions, they were defeated last night by Purdue 76 63 at the Palestra in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, which is a super cool little venue, by the way. Purdue now 4 0 on the road. Zach Eady had 30 points, 13 boards. Fletcher Lawyer adding 17. Boilers now 15 1. They are 4 1 in Big Ten play. Zach Eady is the best player and the MVP, I think, in college basketball. Just what he means to Purdue and what he continues to do on a night in, night out. Uh, performance. The Colts lose yesterday 32-31. Just an incredibly fitting way to end the season. Rather laughable, giving up a 4th and 12, a 4th and 20, and a 2-point conversion all in the final few minutes of the game. Uh, that loss, plus a Denver win in the 4 o'clock games, the Colts have the 4th overall pick entering the 2023 NFL Draft. 
Um, as far as Black Monday is concerned, so far it happened late last night. Lovey Smith, uh, nothing says thank you for the win, Lovey. Like, hey, we're going to fire you because you went from the number one pick to the number two pick. Thanks to that win. So for the third straight year, the Texans will have a new head coach. They join Indy, Carolina, and Denver. If I'm not mistaken, Jake, Jim Harbaugh's name's been floated around Denver. And did you see the report out of Carolina? I found that really interesting. Well, I know that he met with Carolina, supposedly, right? And the reporting was, and I'm paraphrasing here, after heavy persistence from the Harbaugh camp, Carolina met with him. Yeah, that is interesting. Again, is this all just like agent-driven? Is this all to get more money? I mean, he's not. Mel Tucker at Michigan State makes more money than Jim Harbaugh. Right. I I think part of it, too, may just be, you know, if you're Michigan, you've been a, if you're Jim Harbaugh, Michigan's been to back-to-back playoffs. Sure. I, 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 you're riding a two-game streak over Ohio State. He certainly deserves more. I mean, the, if you're going to base it off of Mel Tucker's I mean, the, contract. The stock is never higher, right? So... And the NCAA is sniffing around because he bought a kid a burger. I'm like, you know what? I don't need this. I'm out. God, I'd love a burger today. I think I'm going to go for one. I uh, Jay Glazer reporting that uh, Frank Reich's going to get an interview. Saw for that. The Him Panthers and Jim Caldwell, right? Yep. Those mm-hmm. are the two early names in Carolina. Makes a lot of sense. Frank Reich, if I'm not mistaken, the first quarterback ever for the Carolina you Panthers. You ever been to that 317 burger in Broderpool? Yeah, he used to do trivia there That's a back really in the good day. place, man. It's gone a couple different names, right? I think that's right. Three Wiseman at one point. Three Wiseman is, I think that's the bar part of it. I'm not sure, but it's, um, no, Three Wiseman was Scotty None the Wiser? None the Wiser, thank you. Three Wiseman was on the avenue. None the Wiser. It's the old Blue Point Tavern right there in the back part of Broderpool, but very underrated, man, to go in there and get a cold beer and a burger. Again, national title tonight, TCU and Georgia. Georgia nearly a two-touchdown favorite in that one from SoFi Stadium. we got a lot of calls, 317-239 to get to. Kevin Aquari here on a Monday. It's Kevin. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. We're underway as New England decided to defer after winning the toss. And here's Hines on the run back, breaking a tackle and taking it past midfield. And down the sideline he goes. This is storybook. An opening kickoff return for Tamar Hamlin. And this place is absolutely going wild. Oh, you just said this is storybook. This is almost fate. Draw that one up, write that one up any better. Um, and I, I was just told by Kevin Curran, it's been three years and three months. <sighs> it's the last kickoff return, so it's pretty cool. Rodney Thomas, high school teammate of DeMar Hamlin's, had a chance to visit with him this week, called Hamlin a mentor, made the two and a half hour drive to Cincinnati Tuesday morning to see his 
his former teammate. And boy, just imagine the emotion going through him. A show of solidarity between the Broncos and the Chargers. Both number threes. Derwin James and Russell Wilson holding up the number three in honor of DeMar Hamlin. It's a beautiful day. Obviously, everyone knowing the news now, um, the great news that DeMar Hamlin on the mend and Buffalo, lots of tributes to him around the National Football League. Good morning to you on a Friday. This is Kevin and Query, or excuse me, a Monday. It's Kevin. I wish it was a Friday. Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5. The fan. Colts season is complete, mercifully. And we have several that would like to talk about it. Before that, I figured, Kevin, we'd each kind of just kind of observe what we saw over the course of the year. And to me, I, I think it's really pretty simple. And do, that is, do we have to? Yeah, I remember back when I was a kid, and you took science class, and you did science fairs, and those kinds of things. And you had, whenever you did an experiment, you had what was called the control, and the control was the one thing that you maintained as consistent as you changed the ingredients in experiment number one, number two, or number three. Let's say. And and then you saw how things responded to the control and you tried to figure out different variables. For the Colts this year, you know, the control, if you really look at it, they changed the ingredients around a lot of different things, but the, the control maintained... At, the, the one thing that was consistent, I guess, was just, you know, you changed the coach... You changed the quarterback. You changed the offensive coordinator. The control was basically the people in the trenches or just the overall supporting Legos to the main piece. And what you saw, no matter what you changed in terms of the way you tried to, to use around them, was the same result. And I don't mean this, I, I promise you. I don't mean this as any sort of like a personal indictment, but you tried different coaches. You tried different coordinators. You tried different quarterbacks. And I know that in a vacuum, and I know that Shaquille Leonard was not on the field, and I know that Jonathan Taylor for a lot of the season was not on the field. But in the end the one thing that seemed to be the control was that the Colts roster just isn't very good. And that's not to say that individually it doesn't have very good players. For whatever reason, the way that it was constructed meant that it was not it was not good enough to support a change at quarterback. It was not good enough to support a change at coach. It was not good enough to support a change in offensive coordinator. It was not good enough to support some injuries at times at the running back position or the skill positions on offense. Defensively, I thought they played well. Zaire Franklin yesterday set a record for most tackles in a season. He has a Gary Brackett-type feel of underdog story about him. But the overall reality to me, Kevin, is that what we saw this year for the Indianapolis Colts was an absolute indictment of the way they were constructed and the areas of where they were constructed that we were told were going to be the most reliable in the trenches, 
on the lines and those things flat let them down and it is time to blow the whole damn thing up and start over again yeah um i agree with a lot of that jake again it's a top-down issue for me when jim ursay got involved in this season the season went absolutely off the rails um if you look at where you're at from a roster construction standpoint as you pointed out again i always felt like the colts are a bit of an outlier in the nfl and it was only a matter of time before it would catch up with them. And I think this season, it really, really caught up with them. Um, and I'll go back to something I said earlier. You know, this interim stint, this two-month stint by Jeff Saturday is one of the worst you'll ever see in the NFL from an interim head coach. And so if you're Jim Irsay, you've got to sit back and say, what does that mean? Does that mean that this guy was in over his head and he's not qualified to be our permanent head coach? Or does this mean the personnel got exposed big time? And it's a deeper issue roster-wise than Ursay's willing to admit. Because Ursay doesn't want to go there. He has said publicly several times that he feels like the personnel is good enough. Um, that's the question that I have leading into this week and the, the rest of the month of how will Jim Ursay react to the most embarrassing season his franchise had. Is firing Frank Reich the one move that he feels like is going to solve everything? Because in this two-month period, it didn't solve anything. Kevin... In your opinion, just a yes or no answer here, okay? In your opinion, did the Colts go into yesterday's game determined to win the game? Yeah. Okay. The Colts went into a game at home determined to win against a team this year that had the worst record in the National Football League. And in trying to win at home against a team who hasn't won here since 2018, who has the worst record in the National Football League, and whose season was circling the drain, they still couldn't beat that team even when trying to do so, and the win by that team was so impressive to them that hours afterwards, they said to their head coach, you're fired. That's how bad... The Colts are so bad. They are so inept that they were able to go out and put forth effort to be out-inepted. That's an issue. If you tell me, like, listen, you know, they were they were actually, they were kind of tank. No, that's not what we were told. Jeff Saturday's going all in. And yet you couldn't beat the Houston Texans? You look at the AFC South this season, again, the laughingstock division of the NFL per usual and in all six games this year, the Colts are 1-4-1 and against the vaunted AFC South, so that, that speaks to everything. And you look at those six games, in all six of them, they were down double digits. I mean, that is just such a pathetic, pathetic effort in the games that matter the most. And if Jim Mercer goes back and wants to listen to what he said all offseason long about how much this division means and what Tennessee has meant to his franchise and his undressing of people inside of that building when they've lost to Tennessee in years past, will now throw on top of it, getting shut out by Jacksonville, not beating Houston in either of the two matchups. When If Jim Mercer wants to go back and look at his preseason comments and then evaluate his team afterwards, he will clean house. But I'm not holding my breath that he is he, he's going to do it. Right now, as I sit here on Monday, and again, it's Jim Mercer, things can change in a blink of an eye. We'll talk to Mike Chappell about it at 9 o'clock. It would not stun me at all if Chris Ballard has maintained the role that he has and that Jeff Saturday is a... I I tweeted out, 
in Jim Mercer's eyes, Jeff Saturday is a legit candidate. And I know that might frighten some people, and it's a big question of how and why. If you're Jeff Saturday at this point, do you want to come back? If you're Chris Ballard at this point, do you want to come back? A lot of financial reasons for Chris Ballard to want to come back. I get that. So we'll see how it all plays out again. Uh, on today's front, I don't really expect like these sort of announcements internally from the Colts. Jeff Saturday will meet the media a little bit after noon today. It's locker room, you know, clean out day. The 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 flights to the Caribbean come this afternoon for players. Um, and then we're supposed to hear from Chris Bauer later this week, maybe as early as tomorrow at his season-ending press conference. And the head coaching search will follow. Outside of that, you're kind of at the mercy of Jim Mersey of if and when he wants to chat about things. So again, Mike Chappell going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour to talk more about this. We'll take your calls through on 7239-1070. Again, we'll do our fan tweets of the game uh, to round things out here. Kevin Corey, 8 o'clock hour on a Monday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Tremendous by Mark Dykton there on the open. I, I don't know about you guys. I almost thought that we should have a parade in Indy today for having to watch that season and it finally being over. I think we should have been, we should have been singing hallelujah like the London tabernacle choir right like screaming it from the mountaintop right. hallelujah it's over maybe a you know community-wide holiday here on monday january 9th it is it is over uh lovey smith fired late last night that's what the texans thought of that win 32 31 they fall to the number two pick went out in a blaze of glory if you ask me mark you know what i was thinking about late last night when i saw the draft order What's that? Play out. Again, Bears, Texans, Cardinals, Colts, Seahawks. That's your one through five. Colts sitting there at the fourth pick. I could very well see Houston trading back up to that number one pick. Yep. Houston's got 12 draft picks this year. I think it's the most in the NFL. And if you're the Bears, think about it. You dangle it. You Kings ransom it. You say, all right, who wants it? You make Houston trade backups, and now Houston gets their pick of the quarterback, of course, with a new head coach. And now Chicago sits there at two, and they can do whatever they want. They can trade back again yeah, you're right. if they would like, or they can take the best defensive player in the draft, whatever appeases their brass. They're scratching probably, me where I itch with that scenario right there. The Bears could probably drop back to, who, who's, who did you say is immediately following Indianapolis? Seattle's five, Arizona's three, Seattle's five. Who's That's six? the sandwich around. The Lions. Yeah, Lions, okay. Raiders. So you could probably go as far back as five and still get the top pick of a defensive player, potentially, right? Again, all of this is going to come down to where these quarterbacks fall from a tier standpoint. I think for the Colts, the good news with Chicago, I know we've made a lot about Matt Eberflus's connection with Indy. If Chris Boward is indeed running the show here, Ryan Poles, the GM in Chicago, comes from Kansas City. Him and Chris Ballard worked together for several seasons there. So there's that relationship that you would have. And the advantage is you're trading with a team in the AFC. So, so maybe you don't feel as, you know, whatever, nervous about doing that if it's an NFC team. So let's set this table for folks right now as it stands. Because those of you who are just getting up on a Monday, good morning to you on your way into work. Um, the situation is this. In the NFL, this is typically the day when the jobs start falling like on the hour. The first of those to fall, we already know, of course, that the Colts are one that are looking for a head coach. 
so too Denver, Carolina, and now the Houston Texans because Lovey Smith was fired last night. In terms of today and what we will see for the Colts and what we know, we know that they are scheduled tentatively to draft fourth overall. They're obviously not in the playoffs. They draft fourth overall in the draft. We know in the coaching aspect that Jim Harbaugh will presumably be a target for Indianapolis, but Denver has received uh, permit, or excuse me, Carolina. He's already talked to right. The other name that comes out, Sean Payton. Denver has received permission to talk to Sean Payton. We don't know where the Colts are in terms of if they were to pursue that angle. But there is compensation that would have to be given up to get Sean Payton wherever it is that he ends up. In terms of Jim Harbaugh, he's talked to Carolina. Kevin had mentioned, looks like Harbaugh might have been the one to kind of push for that communication. But either way, that's where things stand. And as Kevin, we talked about earlier, those that are expecting news at some point today on the Colts' general management or coaching aspect probably are going to be waiting for a little bit. Again, maybe two items, and Jake, I don't really put this, I'm expecting this by any means. Jeff Saturday will meet the media a little bit after noon. I think it's like 1 o'clock is what it's scheduled for today. Jeff did not want to get into long-term coaching questions after yesterday's game. I assume he still wants to pursue the gig permanently. Uh, That is a question, I guess, that needs to be answered today. The only other news item and again, I'm not expecting this, but that would be a firing of Chris Ballard. He's under contract for four more years. It's not like you need to make any sort of announcement about extending him. or um, So unless Jim Mercer wants to get a little trigger happy on Twitter and send something out, I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of kind of newsy items from the Colts today. But certainly, you never know on a day like this. And as I've said all along throughout December and January, the thing that has always made me kind of pause and say, Ballard's definitely coming back, or Saturday's definitely coming back, is if you have weekly embarrassment, that has got to piss Jim Irsay off to the nth degree. And I don't care how you slice it, yesterday was more embarrassment. I get the Colts had a lead, but you give up. First off, you're down two scores five minutes into the game. Secondly, 4th and 12, 4th and 20, the two-point conversion. You lose to the team that had the worst record in the NFL. They fire their coach, you know, seven hours later. Uh, more embarrassment on that end. You brought up Sean Payton, Jake. I know David's been hanging on. David wanted to talk some Sean Payton. David, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How are you doing on this beautiful morning? Doing good. Yeah, I, I don't know how beautiful, but I guess it is a Monday morning, so starting a new week, so there you go. I got a, I got a question. Does Sean Payton come back to Indiana and coach, um, and coach you think? And I, and also, I was thinking about the draft text we can give him and stuff. We just go ahead and give him Parker Frazier and probably Jeff Saturday sweeten the deal up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure the Saints <laughs> would be all over that. Yeah, uh, Indiana well, State, right? Isn't that where Sean Payton yeah. was was for a yeah. brief minute? Ninety to ninety to ninety one. He was a running back and wide receivers coach here in great state, uh, great city of Terre Haute. Uh, I'm rocking the Indiana State hat. Chirp chirp right now. JMV's trees playing very good basketball this season. Uh, Sean Payton, the Fox clip. By chance, do we have that, Mark, from yesterday? I can find it. Did you see that, Jake? I did not. Uh, he made it very clear that ownership <laughs> needed to be yeah. of the utmost importance in his eyes I saw for him to return to coaching. Again, from a compensation standpoint, he's still with the Saints, so you would have to... 
um, makes some sort of offer that's pretty enticing to New Orleans as well. Uh, Mark has found this is Sean Payton yesterday on Fox's pregame show. Through the magic and television, we've got Sean Payton here, and I got a couple. I guess a two-part question for you. First of all, we've heard that the Denver Broncos have been given permission to talk to you. Are there any other teams that have been allowed to talk to you so far? And secondly, is there a place you're leaning towards right now? No, it, there's there's absolutely not a place I'm leaning towards, and Denver's been the only team. Uh, I said this on the prior show, and and it's important for you guys to hear this. I'm going to have a hard time finding a better roster. I got my my right defensive end, my left defensive end. I got my starting quarterback. If we want to go to pistol, we'll bring in Vic. All right. I got the head coach right here. Like I'm kind of picky. And so this job is is as good as a lot of those jobs that we just saw. But no, the protocol is is just permission right now. Um, This has happened before. It's happened maybe a dozen, half dozen times. And then uh, the interview process can begin on the 17th, so uh, we'll see what happens. You're not really. Go ahead, Jimmy. Shot. Let's put like you. Hey, put oh, he's you. standing up. It's hey, put stuff. you under the light. Go ahead. Put you under the light. What would you be looking for in a job? I think it's more. Everyone's asked about that, like city or quarterback. I, I think it's more about ownership and front office. I, I, I think. Look, there's no utopia. All these teams that we just saw Jay go through, they're all. They're all moving on for reasons and some of them you got to be careful if it's not just the coach that there's other problems that are deeper so for me it would be ownership in front office okay i got two quick questions one uh, the flattery kevin here here is the interesting thing about that sean payton yesterday two things that jump out at me number one a lot of these pregame shows have way too many people on them and too many hot mics um i will give fox credit for asking sean payton those questions Here is the thing. I saw a column on ESPN.com, and and it's one of those where when ESPN.com has articles about different teams, they use the beat writer of each team to kind of weigh in. So I, I'm not sure if this was directly from Stephen Holder or if it was kind of a um, a hodgepodge, you know, like committee type thing. But they had a, a list of the coaching openings and – where Indiana, where each team would rank, and they had Indianapolis ranked last, and the reason why is because they said because of meddling from the ownership. Now, I think Jim Mersey, from a fan standpoint, is an outstanding owner. I think most people, you know, what do people say? That's my owner. That's my guy. I love Jim Mersey because he's fun on social media. He's very giving. He is you know, uh, an important part of this community, no no doubt about that. And many of the things that his wealth affords him, he shares with others. You can't take any of that away from him. From a football standpoint, and I think that people close to the franchise would tell you this, and you correct me if you think I'm wrong, Kevin, but from a football standpoint, I think that there are whispers within the organization and certainly outside of it from people who have been close to the organization of concern that this is the very first time they can remember Jim Ursay putting his thumbprint on things happening during the season in the middle of the season and getting involved to the point where it would cause concern to others that are thinking about joining the franchise at this point. Yeah, I mean, think back to our conversation with Tony Dungy a few weeks back. I mean, we asked him, you know, pretty point blank, did Jim Ursay ever medal when you were head coach and he said no um and i am very curious how 
others would react. There's a part of me that's like, all right, this is still one of 32. There's going to be candidates that will want this job. And I, I still think from a resource standpoint, if you took out the owner meddling part, I actually think the Colts would be right up there uh, with all of the other jobs, if not near the top of the list or at it. Uh, in terms of being an attractive spot. I think there are some young pieces here that you would like. You have the fourth overall pick. You're in a decent cap situation. It's not like you've got nothing walking into this building. Of course, you've got to make a huge decision at quarterback, uh, but I think that is a big, big part of it. Um, Let's think back yesterday to Jeff Saturday's opening press conference, and he had this clip, and Mark, if if you can cue it up, and basically describing how such of a foreign opportunity he was about to walk into and the uncertainty of it and his, I think at the time, admittance of, hey, if this doesn't go well, I will realize that and I'll say, I'm not coming back. It was a short clip, but I think describes, honestly, probably what we saw unfold here over the last two months. I may be terrible at this, and after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. Here's the thing. Jake, That's one a relative s- term. One in seven, negative 80-point differential. As I said earlier in the show, it's one of the worst interim stints you will ever see in the NFL. I think we have this misconception in the NFL that all interim head coaches go 0-8 and, and lose every game by 30. That, that that doesn't happen. We saw Steve Wilkes go 6-6. Six and six. We saw Denver win a game yesterday with their interim head coach. So I guess my question for you is this, Jake. Are we being too harsh on Jeff Saturday and that he was walking into a no-win situation? Let's start there. Yes. Do you feel like he did enough to earn the job permanently? No. I think they're two different answers. Did Jeff Saturday prove that he can be... Did Jeff Saturday prove or show a coaching acumen above and beyond what the criticism was of his hire. He did not. However, he also was walking into a total disaster. Did... Were Bill Cowher and Joe Thomas right? I don't know that we know that because I'll be honest with you, I think he was walking into... I think the problem... I don't think Jeff Saturday helped the situation, but I think it was a situation that was beyond help. So because based off that answer, Chris Bauer's got to go. That would be my opinion. I don't think he will. I think he stays. But if I, the guy that I think is getting a pass is Chris Ballard. Now, Jeff Saturday should absolutely be criticized, and there should be question as to why he would be considered to come back. Because, But we don't know what Jim Ursay was asking him to do. Did Jim Ursay... When Jim Irsay made that change and said Jim Irsay's my or Jeff Saturday's my guy, was he thinking that the Colts could salvage things and still make a playoff run, or was he saying he's my guy because Jeff Saturday is the is the man that I trust to be able to tell me what exactly is going on, and is that his only was that his only job description? We don't know exactly what was asked of him. We don't. We can assume, and we can certainly hope. It would be my hope that Jeff Saturday's job description was to be a head coach of the NFL team, to put them in a position to win as many games as possible. That would be my hope. And if that's the case, he didn't do it very well. But I 
can't rule out the possibility that Jim Mercer came in and said, I've got four guys on this roster that I really like, and I want to make sure that those four guys get ample opportunity to show what they can do. I'm just throwing a number out randomly. Sam Ellinger's one of them, for example. So I want you to put them in position to see what he can do and also to give me a a honest assessment by comparing it to what the other two guys at that position do so that we have a compare and contrast to see exactly where this young quarterback is and whether or not we need to go in a totally opposite direction so give Nick Foles some reps at some point give Matt Ryan some reps at some point and then report back to me and tell me which guys are winners which guys are losers which guys are slackers and which guys work their tail off and if you can do that then we'll have a conversation at the end of the year and find out whether or not you're the coach. I don't know that that's what took place, but it's entirely possible that's what is. But in, as far as I'm concerned, what we see right now from the Colts is a team in total disarray with a roster that, while it might have good players and they're good people, don't fit with one another to be a competent NFL team that lost a game to a team who fired their coach because the only team theoretically he could beat was the Indianapolis Colts who were supposedly trying to win the game. I think a concern I would have in bringing Ballard back and hiring a new head coach would be now you have two different guys on different timetables. And I think when you do that, you can kind of get a little bit of backstabbing within organizations of the GM and the head coach to me need to be hired together and probably fired together. And I get that you know individuals can be separate and maybe that's not the exact right thing to do. But I feel like that's the only way to create kind of the cohesive, we're in this together, we're on the same page, we both believe in the same things. I think it gets very awkward and very murky if you don't go down that path. Like if they bring in a head coach and you draft a quarterback in round one, I mean, Chris Bauer's not going anywhere for several years, right? Correct. Because you're going to have to have patience with the new head coach and the rookie quarterback. So, um, And then does there come a point in time where... The head coach goes to Jim Jim Ursay and says, "Man, I didn't really love the roster that I was given here." You know, like you, you have that awkwardness. And again, how muted is Ballard's yeah, voice and all this? There's so many complicated questions to it. I remember vividly listening to the NFL draft and listening to you had this young team, Peyton Manning, the quarterback. And they had had Marshall Falk for Peyton Manning's rookie year, and Marshall Falk, a dynamic player with future MVPs still in him, and they traded him. So you, you're thinking to yourself, well, they've got to draft a running back now and get and get somebody with him. And you thought it was going to be Ricky Williams, and it wasn't, and instead they went with Edron James. And the thought process was, first off, why would they pass on Ricky Williams to go with Edron James? Obviously, that worked out. But secondly, why would they have traded Marshall Falk? And I remember Bill Polian very specifically saying, we think the world of Marshall Falk, he's a wonderful talent. It wasn't that we wanted Brad Scioli and Marcus Peterson, who were the two picks that they parlayed into those two guys from that trade. It was the fact that we wanted to make sure with our young quarterback in Peyton Manning that we were putting a running back behind him who was hitting his stride at the same time as Manning and putting their careers on the same time frame and having two guys in their prime simultaneous with one another. And that was a brilliant move. And so much of success in the National Football League is making sure that the different pieces are hitting their stride 
at the same time. And the problem with this franchise flat out this year is that you have had at different periods a head coach, a general manager, and to an extent a quarterback. The the holy trinity of a football franchise all working on different timelines, different windows with different initiatives and different agendas. See, I, I, the scary part to me, Jake, is I think they were working on the same timeline. Ballard was totally good with going the veteran quarterback route. The head coach is totally good with going the veteran quarterback route. Jim Mercer signed off on this plan. No one has wanted to commit to the but, long-term future at the most important position in sports. But once and it you, stunted your growth at that as a point, franchise. Though, Kevin, once you put Jeff Saturday into the situation, what I'm saying is then... Jeff Saturday got, came in and benched Sam Ellinger for Matt Ryan. Understood, but what, but what I'm saying is, was Jeff Saturday looking at this season in the same breath that Chris Ballard was? Was, was Jeff Saturday... Just falling in line with what Jim Mersey wanted, and was Chris Ballard then completely emasculated? I, I mean, what? No one was tanking. No one, like, they all wanted to win now. And then, the fact it, that it and, led to the embarrassment that it did, I think, is the scariest aspect of There is no greater all. indictment, literally, when they come out with the, the DVD for season ticket holders of this year. The title of it should be No One Was Tanking, We Just Sucked. It's exactly what it is. To take John, Mark. Yep. What's up, John? Hey, how are you guys? Doing good. Love your energy already, John. I, I love the show. I love you guys. I love the local TV. I love the radio, uh, local radio. Uh, my question is the salary cap issue. Um, I know you talk about it a little bit, but I don't think you talk about it enough. I don't understand who is behind the salary cap issue with the Colts. Is it the owner? Is it the owner's daughter, which apparently could be coming into play more often? Um, is it? Is it? Was it the coach, Frank Reich? Is it Ballard? You know what is the problem there with the salary cap? Do you mean like the like the prudent approach to free agency? Well, all the above. I mean, we other teams either have one or the other. They have uh, a high salary cap and lots of draft choices, or vice versa. You know, and we don't have seem to have either one. We don't have a lot of draft choices, and the salary cap is we have plenty of money, so we're not going after free agents, obviously. So I'm going to hang up and let you guys talk about it, I hope. Yeah, thank you, John, for the call. And it's probably a discussion to get into a little bit more deeper as free agency gets here in March. But basically, I would point to two things. I think Chris Ballard wants to be extremely, again, prudent in free agency. He's not a believer in paying B players A money. Um, I would push back on that and just say it's kind of the cost of doing business if you want to try and improve your football team. Um, The other aspect with that would be ownership. And that there are some owners out there, and the Rams would be kind of the gold standard of this over the last couple of years, that are great with spending a lot of cash early on in contracts. That's not something that I think Jim Mercer is a big fan of. Maybe Mike Chappell can you know shed a little bit more light on this when he joins us at nine o'clock. Um, so I think that Ursay is open-minded to, oh yeah, I'm good with this because from a financial sense, um, it makes more sense for us to kind of pay as you go versus really, really heavily front-loading that with, with cash. For whatever reason, I've I've always felt this way. The Colts treat salary cap like I treat my speedy reward points. I got a ton of them. People are like, why, why don't you do something? With it? Well, because someday I'm going to need them. I have enough literally at this point for a small island somewhere, but I'm like, I, the day's going to come where like I'm going to be on the side of the road and some... Uh, pirates are going to come, and they're going to take my wallet, and they're going to take all my money, and I'm going to need a tank of gas, and at and least I'll have my, zero phone, bars. my speed of reward points, and eight zero bars, and a big gulp. 
I'm going to need them someday, so I'd better hold on to them. I refuse to spend them. And that's how the Colts seem to be with salary cap. And again, I understand the free agency process can be a bit dicey, but you cannot fix everything in the draft. And I think you can point... I mean, look at Jacksonville. Remember everybody making fun of Christian Kirk and how much money he signed for last year? Seemed to be a big difference Christian Kirk was a thousand-yard receiver with eight touchdowns and was huge in their most important game of the season. And it gave Trevor Lawrence a weapon that he, he needed help around him. They supported Trevor Lawrence in year two, and you saw the return on that. And then making the playoffs and hosting the Chargers in round He did have one, one bad throw. I'll say that. And obviously a huge defensive play. I don't act he, like it was Trevor Lawrence throwing for 330 and three touchdowns on Saturday night. Uh, Jacksonville's defense was outstanding and obviously had the play of the game. And, uh, beating was that an incomplete pass? Boy. I, I think it was the right call, but you want to talk about a millisecond away from being an incomplete pass. I mean, it went 15 yards. Yeah, I think so much of that momentum from the hit. I, I hear you. All right, let's hit a morning check down here before Mike Chappell joins us at the top of the hour. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I would say last night it was more like late yesterday afternoon. Pacers over the Charlotte Hornets. That was a 5 o'clock tip. Miles Turner, 29 points. Buddy Heald had 21. Charlotte was... Plucky and tough and stuck around forever. Indiana finally able to put him away in the end. P.J. Washington had 22. Lamella Ball, by the way, did foul out of the game with 13. Pacers, the winners, 116-111 last night in the association. At New York on Wednesday for Indiana this week. College basketball from the weekend. Um, Indiana loses at home to Northwestern, 84-83. It was Trey Galloway throwing in some prayer at the end to make it 84-83. Now, 1-3 and three in the Big Ten. Um, and if you look on paper, I mean, a, a Northwestern at home, this would probably qualify as one of your easier Big Ten games of the season. Um, here was Mike. You have the Mike Woodson audio, Mark? Tom uh, Luke. Mike Woodson afterwards on the defensive effort as of late for Indiana. Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson are sitting on the sideline. And the X has been out a while now who anchors, you know, and guarding the ball coming up the floor and does a lot of pretty good things defensively for us. So that's that's why we're struggling a little bit defensively. We got two starters that are sitting on the sideline. And I'm reaching trying to figure out who's going to replace that. I what the hell is that? Yeah, I think it's a pretty cop out excuse. I, I mean, you're the coach. 84 That's Kansas. That's your job, right? Like, I mean, do you hear other teams talk about that? Well, I mean, you know, so-and-so. Xavier Johnson's been on a while. So, 80, Have you not found a way to make an adjustment? 89 to Arizona when both guys are on the floor. 84 to Kansas. 91 to Iowa. 84 to Northwestern. What, what, you know Northwestern. What are we doing in recruiting if we only have two guys that can win for us? You know Northwestern, Jake, just that offensive juggernaut. Uh, that's 84 points for Northwestern. Northwestern had a game earlier this season against Auburn, Jake, where they scored 42 points. Where, where are the, the, the alum in their candy-striped pants that are smoking cigars and doing happy dances with every single recruit that signs with Indiana? Why are they doing that if there's only two of them that can win games for them defensively and when they're out, all hell breaks loose and we can't find an answer because there's nobody else on the bench? Uh, Trace Jackson Davis was outstanding yesterday. Played all 40 minutes. Um Jalen Hutchifino overcame, you know, big turnovers in the first half, but boy, he's scoring at a uh, level that I would think those I was at the next Indiana level fan, would really, really I would like. Be livid by that soundbite. Yeah. If I was an Indiana fan, I would be 
absolutely livid by that soundbite. Especially, again, coming from the head coach. Like, you know, you go to the quick cop-out excuse, your players are going to hear that, and they're going to cater to that. I expect to hear that on Peaks.com. I do not expect to hear that from the head coach. Uh, Purdue wins at Penn State. I guess a neutral site game, as neutral as a game in Philadelphia could be. I I was impressed, Jake, by that second half. Zach Eady again, 30-13. Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith on the road. No issues there. Purdue 15-1 on the season, 4-1 in the Big Ten. Not often you see a Big Ten team, back-to-back road games, down at half in each of those games and come out with victories. And Ohio State, I think, is a tournament team. I think Penn State could challenge for that as well. Um, good work by Matt Painter's bunch and responded from the first loss of the season. Uh, by the way, IEPY in action tonight. Robert Morris, 7 o'clock on the road. Butler, a big oh, loser Super Bowl winner, Robert Morris. Ball. What's that? Super Bowl winner here in Indy, right? R- Robert Morris? That's right. Uh, His it? insertion into the defensive starting lineup late in the year was a big uh, push over the hump. And he used to wrestle alligators at BYU, didn't he? Wasn't that like one of the, the real sellers? He was like players? one of those older draft picks, right? That, that is correct. Well, he. Uh, football playoffs are set. Chargers, Jags in the AFC. Also, Miami and Buffalo. Baltimore in Cincinnati. That Baltimore game with the Bengals has like three different lines depending on who is actually starting at quarterback. Cincinnati favored in all three of them, obviously. In the National Football Conference, it is Seattle and San Francisco. The Giants and the Vikings. That's my upset pick, by the way. Giants going to go in and shock the world in Minnesota. Dallas at Tampa. It's only a three-point spread, so I think those in Vegas are a little hesitant on that as well. So Saturday, it'll be Seattle-San Francisco, Chargers-Jags. Monday night, I think this is kind of a given, Dallas and Tom Brady going to be in that Monday slot. So again, we'll have a game a week from tonight and the three games on Sunday. Miami-Buffalo, Giants-Vikings, Ravens-Bengals, Lamar Jackson injury watch, Tua injury watch. Those will obviously be things to keep an eye on. As far as tonight, it's the national championship from Los Angeles. It is TCU and Georgia. I'm seeing Georgia favored by 13, an over-under of 63.5. believe that's the biggest spread in a national championship game since 1998. Again, I think TCU can make it interesting. I would agree. What worries me is how Georgia played in the semifinal in that I would Think that Kirby Smart had his team's focus for the past week. Yeah, and I would think Georgia is a team, as we saw against Ohio State, who's darn good. That you know they can flip a switch, right? I, but TCU, I'm telling you, they got a receiver that's going to be a top five pick in the yeah, draft. Yeah, Quinn Johnson. I, I mean, that you can make plays. We had great semifinals. Can we have a great final? Are we being a little too greedy there? Uh, two prop bets I like. You guys ready for these? Mm-hmm. Largest lead of the game over under 21 and a half points. Uh, under. I would agree. Will someone other than a quarterback throw a pass? I'm going to say yes. That is plus 700. That's $10 to win 70. Sonny Dykes gets a little creative, doesn't he? Now, I did this one year in the Super Bowl, and I forget who it was. For some reason, Tyreek Hill, maybe. Honestly, it might have been Brandon Cooks. Uh, they run the little reverse. All of a sudden, Brandon Cooks getting ready to throw. No one's open, so then he runs. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. Whoa. Did they have to complete the pass or just throw it? Just throw it. All I need is an, oh, is, is an, an attempt. attempt of a pass. Well, like... I mean, we're talking a fake so, punt. We're, 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 we're talking, you know, a variety of things. So would Garo, your premium have counted for you in the Super Bowl? Anything. Okay. Non-quarterback. I don't know if that was really a pass. Just throw an attempt, have it be incomplete for all I care, and move on to the next down. 7.30, they say is kickoff. I don't I'll, buy that for a second. I'll believe it. That when should I, be another over-under. 
I mean, nothing's worse than the men's basketball national championship. That's like a 9-12 tip. I've always wondered this, too. Could you get on the... What's the most you can bet on the prop bet of how long the anthem will be, like at the Super Bowl? I think there are some restrictions on that. Because couldn't you just get a hold of the singer and be like, listen... Just take up, just pause a few times. Mm-hmm. We all have Kelly Clarkson's number, sure, sure, yeah. Hey, Kelly, beautiful last anthem, anthem by the way, at the Colts game yesterday. A lot of people asked. I would call the Colts crowd yesterday a strong preseason crowd. What would you guess it to be? If there's 62, let's say on a normal 80 ish percent. Okay, that's not bad. And they executed the wave. I would say at least one time, maybe two times in the lower. Uh, the wave when the Colts have the ball. In the lower bowl, I mean, it is seriously like, where's Johnny Cooks? That's everything that where's, Jim Mercer probably needs to know about his season. Correct. Where's John Hand? We're doing the wave because we're hoping to see Owen Gill break off a run here. I mean, party like it's 85. What would the Colts need to get to number one? We'll look at the draft order coming up next here. Kevin and Corey. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Your Lions are going to beat the Packers, right? We don't want the Packers getting in the playoffs. The Lions will beat the Packers. Boy, that's that, bold. That is definitive. What I don't know is what Seattle versus uh, Rams, what will happen in that game. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. How about your guy, Jake? Dr. Dan Campbell Mopman with that call. Boy, was I dead wrong. Boy, he was on it, wasn't he? And he was exactly... Bad. That's actually that is exactly right. What happened? You know, hey, but I'm I'm worried because I don't know what's going to happen. I loved Dan Campbell. I loved this. I loved that Dan Campbell. My wife was concerned about his nose last night. Well, listen, (laughs) bit red. Yeah, when he Mm -hmm. was being interviewed by Melissa Stark, and she's like, "You knew before the game even began that you were out of the playoffs." So, you know, what did you say to your guys? How do you get them ready to play this game? And he said, well, what we know now is we can keep them from getting in. And that's what we're going to do. That's what they did. Yeah, I just, I didn't feel like, I mean, Seattle and LA was a great game. Went to overtime. I just wish the Rams would have pulled that out so you would have the Lions in the playoffs. Which is probably a phrase I have never uttered in my life. I wish the Lions were in the playoffs. But literally, they deserved it. Last night, for those that weren't watching, how great was like the... Quick screen, hook and ladder to oh, DeAndre awesome. Swift late in that game. They went for it on fourth down. Jared Goff to DJ Shark to ice the game. Again, Aaron Rodgers just threw, I think, another interception. How about Jamal Williams after the game? Did you catch that yes. interview? That was great, too. Jamal Williams, former Packer, Lion running back, uh, did not hold back at all. And, boy, did, so did you guys watch the end, like, Rodgers walking off the field? Do you guys catch that? Yes. Yes. Do you think like NBC was tipped off on that at all, or like Tarika? was all over it. Well, the in Mike- that they, I mean, it was a very elongated stay on the field by Rogers. 
He tells Jameson Williams, no, I'm not going to do a jersey swap with you. This, you know, I, I want to keep this jersey. Randall Cobb and him are kind of arm in arm for the final, you know, walk off the field that had a very like, I know this is it moment for me. Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal football player. And Aaron Rodgers had one of the great quotes in the history of the NFL draft when he was drafted by the Packers and was asked because he's a native of the Bay Area and played at Cal. And San Francisco went with, I believe, Jim Drunkenmiller that year and did not go with. And he was asked, were you disappointed that the Niners didn't draft you? And he said, not near as disappointed as the Niners are going to be that they didn't draft me. He has been a phenomenal talent. He waited his turn. Once he got his turn, he seized it and made the most of it. And I don't know the guy at all. I do know this. Aaron Rodgers, for whatever reason, for the last five or six years, has been surrounded by drama. He's like Pigpen and Peanuts that has like the little waft coming off him at all times. He has that of total drama. Drama with his family. Drama with his relationships. Drama with his engagements. And drama with his football team. And the Green Bay Packers, as wonderful a player as he has been for that franchise, got sucked into it and kind of sucked because of it. And it absolutely drained that franchise. And I think a lot of NFL fans, myself included, while having a tremendous respect for his playing ability and enjoying him play at a high level when he was doing so, now are completely oversaturated and exhausted by the constant drama of Aaron Rodgers. Jake, you are, uh, let's put on your cloney Dungy hat. Maybe, um, I'm trying to think of the other diehard Colts fans. Uh, Tuba guy, I, I don't know who, whoever else kind of qualifies. Super fan. Super fan, yeah, would qualify in that group. I give you three options. Rank these three that you would like to see. Chris Ballard is back. Jeff Saturday is back. Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback next year. I mean, this is the way I look at those things. Let's begin with the latter first. Do you believe that the supporting cast of the Indianapolis Colts is superior to the supporting cast that Aaron Rodgers just played with in Green Bay? No, I don't love Green Bay's wideout group, but I actually thought Christian Watson had some moments this year for him. No, I, I, I don't. Okay, then plugging Aaron Rodgers into Indianapolis if it is a superior cast to a team that he missed the playoffs with, I realize different conference, misses you the playoffs. So what good does that do you? And um, the contract they're taking on at that point. Too. Yeah. You get Rodgers indoors? Does that help at all? I'd have to look statistically. It would be interesting to see what he did against Minnesota and Detroit on the road within his division. Um, again, I, you're going to get him for, what, two years and you're going to pay a ton of money for him? So that order would be what? What what would you be most happy with? Rogers, I mean, Ballard, Saturday. I, I mean, to me, it's kind of, you know, would I rather take a large needle to my tongue, earlobe, or nasal cavity? Um, Probably go earlobe, right? I would go Chris Ballard back number one just because I, I'm prepared for the fact that's going to happen. And, you know, I don't think that he's done a horrible job. I mean, I don't think that he's the creme de la creme, but he's been okay, I, you know. Um, Saturday 2 and then Rodgers 3. Again, the draft order, Bears, Texans, Cardinals, Colts, Seahawks. That's the top five right there. The Colts sit at pick four. We talked about it a lot earlier, what it's going to take to get to number one. 
Um, I think we have a little bit of a misconception of that the Chicago Bears will just take any scrap player the Colts don't want. Like, that's oh, yeah. all my timeline was yesterday. Oh, Shaquille Leonard, you know, Matt Eberflus. The Bears just traded away Roquan Smith, right. who does not have anywhere near the injury, murky, medical, uncertain history of a Shaquille Leonard. So clearly, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus didn't value Roquan Smith at the level that maybe the Colts value that linebacker position. Um, so if you're talking just strictly draft picks, you would probably have to give Chicago the fourth overall. Let's say your first round pick in 2024. And I would say probably your second round pick this year. Mm-hmm. I take that. So you're willing to do that. Fourth overall, what, 35 overall or something that is early in the second round. I forget the exact number. And then your first round pick next year. That's what it, it, a, a kind of a rough sketch of what it would look like to move yeah, from four. Colts have the 36th overall pick. To win. In the okay, so it'd be okay. four, 36, and then your future first in 2024 to jump three spots from four to one. And obviously, if you're one, you get your pick of the quarterbacks. You, you have to assess this. If you rank in no particular order, the three, who would you say are the top three quarterbacks? In no order, uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis. Okay, I would agree with that. The kid from Florida appears to be kind of a close fourth. Now, Anthony Richardson, the name there. You simply have to rank those three and say, what is the chasm one to two and two to three? Is the is the gap which is a greater which is a greater value? The difference from from Bryce Young to C.J. Stroud. Or the difference of owning or not owning three different picks is the is the is it worth the price from one to two, two to three, etc. That, that that's simply what you have to weigh out. And if you look at it and say, "Hey, we don't think the gap between Bryce Young and Will Levis is that great," then you stay where you are. That second round pick is actually the thirty fifth, by the way, because the Dolphins uh, were stripped of their first round pick for the obviously issues. Mark, call me an idiot. Sure. Is there any way Chicago sits there at one and says, Ryan Poles, I didn't draft Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus, I wasn't here when Justin Fields was drafted. This is our chance to go a different quarterback route, and C.J. Stroud and or Bryce Young, we view in a potentially higher light than Justin Fields. It's a couple of years cheaper. Of course, you're going to have to pay Fields here coming up in a couple of off seasons. We can trade Fields and get some other draft picks. You think there's any, any chance Chicago would go that route? I never say never on a lot of things. I would be... Them keeping the first overall pick would be surprising. I think trading Justin Fields and drafting a quarterback with the number one overall pick would be even more surprising. And, and I bring up the fact that Poles and Eberflus weren't there when he was drafted for a reason. Because, again, you often right. see this. Guys like with, their guys. Mm-hmm. Guys like their guys. And that's why I think Arizona at three is a bit of a mystery. Because I know they just gave Kyler Murray a ton of money. But, and it sounds like there will be a meeting between owner Michael Bidwell and Cliff Kingsbury today. We'll see if Arizona's on the list of head coach openings. So far, we've got four. Um, if all of a sudden 
they make a move there. There's a lot of people, I think, around the league skeptical of Kyler Murray. And if you take that job and you say to ownership, I want to make the quarterback decision and I want to move on from Kyler Murray, should we look at Arizona, one spot ahead of Indy, and throw them into the mix a little bit more than it appears on paper right now? Which of those quarterbacks do you think has... See, to me, Levis is the one that has the most intrigue. Because I don't know that he had the cast around him at Kentucky, but I think he has more... Like, he's a bigger guy. Um, He has kind of that Josh Allen factor, I think. Where you're drafting more with Levis off of what you think he can become, and you're drafting more with Stroud and Young on what they already have shown you. But the difference is, and this is such a huge factor to me, the difference is, as I've talked about repeatedly, the gap between college football and the NFL is pretty darn big, and there are few areas where it is more illuminated than that of the passing game. And the way it is guarded and the way that it is officiated to a great extent. And the thing that you have to be cautious of with Young and Stroud is that they are coming out of systems where they are throwing to receivers that are far, far, far greater than their defense than any receiving core they're going to be throwing at in the NFL level. And they're throwing to guys that are literally wide open targets that just happen to be moving. They The window time, the timing of the gap in the window to throw the football is such a wild card. And I think sometimes it doesn't hurt you to take a guy that has had to throw to guys that are less superior in terms of their uh, the offensive talent because you are then at the college level having to learn that window and that that the tightness of that window versus a guy that's throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. This is from Jeff. Most fans are too nervous to throw the 2024 first-round pick in any deal as it may be number one overall, particularly if Saturday is still the coach. <laughs> That's solid, right? Oh. I can always tell when you get the smirk. People can't see it unless they're watching on the YouTube. But Kevin has this ability to smirk and stare off into the distance at a 45-degree angle Which doesn't upward. make for great radio, so I, I probably need to get better at that. Uh, but Jake's hearty laugh probably tells you how I feel about that tweet. Uh, Mike Chapel, less than 10 minutes. Jake, wild card schedule for this weekend. All right, give me the best game. Seahawks 49ers Saturday afternoon. Chargers Jags Saturday night. Dolphins Bills Sunday afternoon. Giants Vikings to follow that. Ravens Bengals Sunday night. And then the Monday game is Cowboys and Bucks. I think the the non-sexiest but best matchup, Chargers at Jacksonville. I'm intrigued by that one. Short Two young, week. young, big-arm quarterbacks. Short week for the Chargers traveling out there. And then I'm telling you, New York's going to go shock the world and win at Minnesota. I, I think that, too. I think, I think what could be the best one, but it has a big caveat on it, is Dolphins-Bills. Because if Tua doesn't play... Right. That's an 11-point spread right now, right. obviously, thinking Tua's not going to play. I, can you imagine... How about Cowboys Bucks? Oh, that's a great one. I feel like the Cowboys are going in the really wrong direction at the worst time right now, and the Bucks seem to have caught something. America wins no matter. Did somebody who loses. say Brady may end up in Vegas? I saw that rumor. I can you imagine the poor team 
that if the Buffalo Bills get to the Super Bowl, if the Buffalo Bills get to the Super Bowl, and let's say hypothetically that DeMar Hamlin is able to wear jeans and a sweatshirt and be on the sideline, can you imagine the poor team if they were to beat them? Like, you know, whoever. Do you think it will still be there in a month? I mean, I, I know that sounds like rude of me probably to say, but like... I mean, yesterday was really, really sentimental no, I, and everything. I totally but understand like, what you're saying. I mean, is it at this point? Thank goodness that he's okay. Are people like ready yeah. to move? I, on I mean, from to be it? fair, Buffalo is an I, easily rootable team. Totally understand, but I'm just saying everything Buffalo's been through this year, captivated right. by that. Josh Allen's likable. There's going to be a fatigue for sure. There's going to be a Buffalo fatigue at some point, but. Josh Allen's likable. You know, they were on the map already. They've had, you know, they've had the, the weather issues and the city's had so much tragedy. I just, whoever, they are going to be a sentimental favorite. Maybe not next year, but right now, yes. I think we're probably waking them up, but no one more plugged in in this market when it comes to the Colts than Mike Chappell. We'll get his thoughts on what's next for Indianapolis. Here in a few, Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Do you think the uh, Rick Venturi, oh my God, pretty much just sums it's, up the entire yes. season? That absolutely should be. That is the soundbite of the year right there. And that, that was, a. Uh, I decided to call it the, the two-pick conversion. Because Houston converted into the two pick instead of the one pick, right? And then the Texans mm, said, to "I don't know Smith, if that's your best work." Thanks. The, <laughs> the right. Texans said to Lovey Smith, um, "Listen, you went up because I want to make sure I'm clear here, Kevin. The Colts were trying to win that game, correct? Uh huh. Yep. So the so the Colts were trying to win at home against a team who had one win and one tie all year against the Colts, mind you." And they still couldn't win? I feel like that, oh my God, from Rick Venturi was very similar to what he said when Jalen Hurts had the parting of the seas. <laughs> it was. He was like, oh my, is this happening right now? Uh, Mike Chappell, Fox 59, CBS 4. Um, the Dean is with us here on the Payless Lookers Hotline. Chap, uh, appreciate the time. I know it is a, a, a hair early for you. Um, I, set, I, set, I set my alarm, so we're good to go. Okay, I thought about giving you a call during the break, but you know, I felt like okay, Kathy can handle things if she if she needs to wake you up. Um, l- let's start here. I guess just your expectations for Black Monday. I think for the Colts, they kind of did Black Monday two months ago with Frank Reich. We're going to hear right. from Jeff Saturday. I assume he will say that he wants the gig permanently, and then it sounds like we'll hear from Chris Bauer later in the week. But I guess I don't expect a whole lot of like massive news from the Colts. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of my assumption. Yeah, I think again, like you said, we've already had our news. Uh, I just there, there's I don't the, the only thing that Jeff can tell us is that damn I don't want any part of this, and I don't think he will. We talked to him what's it been three weeks ago, and and he was still. You know, all in. He wants to do it. He wa- he wants 
he wants to have a chance to start from ground zero and build from there, you know, in, in April and March and April, not in the middle of this dumpster fire. So I think he still wants to. I really do. But I don't know what other news could come out. We're supposed to talk to some players. I'd love to talk to Shaq Leonard and see how his second back surgery is going. But as far as coaches and Chris Battles, I mean, Jim Arcee is on record saying Chris will be back, and we know that the owner has been known to change his mind. But if we get Chris Battles tomorrow, he's got to be the GM. He just has You can't put him out there and then two weeks later firing. So Did, Didn't they do that with Grigson, though, after the 2015 season? Boy, that's... I'd have to go back and look. You might be right. Your memory is better than mine. But you, you might be right. It's just wrong to do, obviously. Uh, I'm, I'm curious on that, and I'm curious how soon and how long the coaching search is going to go. Uh, you know, how deep will it be? Will, it'll include Jeff. Is it going to include Jim Harbaugh? Is it going to include people like that? Jim Caldwell? So I don't know. It's really going to be interesting, but I, I think the owner down deep would like to give Jeff a chance. I'm just not sure how you do that. Mike Chappell's our guest. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. <laughs> Chap, you've covered the Colts as I'd mentioned since the Mayflowers arrived. So I, I wanted to ask you this: There is so much talk about Jim Mercey's involvement with decisions this year notably at the quarterback position, obviously at the coaching position. And there has always been, I think this is a city and a fan base, if they are old enough, that has a PTSD, Jim Mersey included having this, of the Bob Ursay involvement and meddling from the ownership box. Have we seen more of that this year from Jim Mersey than in years past, or... Is it something that necessarily isn't new? It just this year was more illuminated because of the people that were affected. No, it was new. I can't think of too many times when, when Jim Mercey has stepped in so so obviously and usurped everyone else's you know duties. Bob Mercey used to do that, do that all the time. This is I I keep thinking of what went on, and, and all I can come down to is. All off season, they had pointed, and Kevin, we were in the, in the media room, we were always talking about AFC South, division, 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 and everything's built towards a good start. Remember, they changed the training camp schedule uh, for, for this, and then they go out and they just and they just play awful in, in Houston, and they play even worse at Jacksonville. And, and, and this is after, nationally, this team was considered the AFC South favorite. So I think the longer it went, the more irritated the, the, the more that the passion and anger just just boiled and at some point he just said no this is enough but again this started with this started with Carson Wentz and I'm not so sure that Chris Ballard wasn't semi on board not he wasn't driving the ship like Ursay was but then the other the other decisions are things that are more Bob Ursay like and that's that's my concern. Is I think it's very. Well, it's his team. He can do. With, he, he can name you head coach Jake if he wants. You've got. You, you've <laughs> yeah, got come you on had now. as much. You had as much NFL experience as Jeff Saturday did before he got here. So, but but 
I think you got to be really, really careful. I remember early in his ownership, he told me that one of the owners said, hey, you know, the, the good thing about an owner gig is you enjoy being an owner. You put the right people in place, and you let them run your team. For the most part, he did that with Bill Pullian, for the most part. I think he did that with, with Gregson, for the most part. And up until recently, I think he's done, a, done that with Chris Ballard. But you cannot have a GM who is wondering, well, this is what I, this is the direction we need to go. This is what I want to do. This is the player. And then the owner say, nah, we're going to do something else. It's just hard to have people want to come to your franchise when they wonder how strong the owner's hand's going to be. He's got to have input. It's his team. But you got a G in there for a reason. Let him do his job. Chap, I feel like... Still can't get Jake as head coach out of my head. You thought oh, transcribing Ursay was so hard, chap. <laughs> you imagine following Jake's analogies when you transcribe? That's right. Um, let me run, and I know this will stun you. Mike Chappell's our guest, that I'm going to run like a, a, a Freudian thought past you and then have you critique it, Mike. But I have this, I, I can't get past this feeling in my mind that Jim Ursay, when he named. Jeff Saturday, the interim coach, probably in the back of his mind, thought he was going to pick up the paper or turn on the television the next day and just soak in the admiration from people that just applauded and cheered this outside-the-box hire of, gosh, how did we not think of that? And instead, the exact opposite happened, and he was lampooned and lamblasted across the country for it from football people. And that, in fact is what caused him to dig his heels in deeper on Jeff Saturday being the long-term guy because he's hell-bent to show as the owner he knows more about football than people give him credit. Your thoughts? I hope not. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad reason to, to make a decision. You know, I, I think, what it, it, again, at that press conference, I mean, he is a Jeff Saturday fan. I know that from being around him, which is fine. And, and, he, and he loves Edge and Reggie and Dwight and Peyton and Marv. And, but you can't let that be your driving force. And I think he brought Jeff in. The overriding factor was, was to, to change the culture, I guess. I think things had started to, dr to drift with the locker room and, and things. But they, the, the, the lack of coaching experience was so huge. And, and it was totally exacerbated by, oh, by the way, you fired your offensive coordinator and you fired your head coach who actually ran the, the offense. And then a, a week or so later, a tight ends coach left. So you've got a bare bones offensive staff and, and it sort of looked like it down the stretch. So I, again, I, what I would tell people is that don't just shruff, shruff off Jim Ursay considering just Saturday. I think there's a chance. I think it's more than a puncher's chance. But I, I just don't know how. And maybe he simply doesn't care. I don't know how you sit up there in two weeks and say, I'm thrilled to be here. Jeff Saturday's our head coach, and this is why. I think, I think they put Jeff in a position to fail like they did, gosh, Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles, Park Frazier. And if it, who could they put in that spot and, and, and them have a decent record? Leaving Frank there probably would have worked. 
So I don't know. You know, maybe one of these days Frank will be a really good head coach. I just think this was a tough time. This might be a tough, a tough thing. But hey, if Ursay goes that way, you're gonna say, well, you know, it's his team. It's it's his it's his backyard. He can do what he wants. But I, I, I just don't know how you justify it with with what you've got as evidence. Again, he's the one and only Mike Chappell. He's with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline, CBS4, Fox 59. We'll hear from Jeff Saturday coming up in a few hours. Locker room clean-out day. Tentatively, Chris Boward scheduled to meet the media, I believe, tomorrow as the Colts begin the offseason. Chap, I'm going to throw a couple numbers at you. Chris Ballard returning at 80%. Jeff Saturday returning at 60%. What would be your reaction to those two numbers? I would say Ballard's low. I, I, I think he's back. I, I just do. I, I think the owner really, really trusts him. And, and I'm sure you've talked about it. We can argue that that's maybe too, maybe he shouldn't be so strong for Chris. 60%, I was going to say 50 for Jeff. And people, again, people might be surprised it's that high, but I'm telling you folks, uh, he, he very much wants it. And the owner, the last time I talked to him, he sounded like he very much wants him to be here, but that that was before uh, the Giants, and it was before last night. Uh, although <laughs> losing the game actually helped their draft status, so maybe that's that's a plus for you. Does losing the game add to the embarrassment of uh, of the season? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, it does. It, I mean, how, how, how can it? And, and and I guess I asked that chap in saying, you know, I've oftentimes heard with Earth say, "Don't embarrass me." Well, they've had well, weekly embarrassments since Thanksgiving. Holy smokes. And again, I kept two or three times you would write, and, and you as well, where they've reached rock bottom. No, 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 no. Yeah. You know, we, we've got a game next week. You know, you thought rock bottom was, was Dallas. <laughs> yeah. You thought rock bottom then was was uh, Minnesota. So, I don't know. I, 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 you, sometimes you think you know what's going to happen, and I don't. I, I, I just don't. But no, it's crazy that that again. You, you think losing at home to to Houston, Houston crying out loud. Uh, that, that's another embarrassment, and uh, some of the stuff has happened on national TV. But they need. It's funny we've we've talked that like well, the last season, the last two seasons were the most important off seasons for the franchise. No, it's it, now it's this one because because you mucked up the last two. So I'm really curious how the next few months unfold. Jeff, what percent of Chris Ballard's perceived job security at this time is based in Jim Mersey liking and believing the Chris Ballard body of work, and what percent of it is Chris Ballard's under contract through 26? Good question. I hope it's 90% his personnel. Actually, I really do. But let's not pretend that the money's not real. But but I just uh, I just think if you start if an owner starts you know letting the money dictate if, if that's the case then Jeff Saturday coach I mean you you know or or some little known college guy you got to get the best guy and and I, I, to, to a point the the money's real they're paying Frank what twenty five thirty million I mean that, that's real money so it's a good question though. I hope it's 90%, if not higher, that he really believes Chris is the right guy. Is it going to be increasingly difficult 
Mike, for for Jim Mersey, for example, you talked about they still owe Frank Reich a lot of money. As situations arise, if the and the Colts have not done this to their credit, I have not heard the Colts say, "Hey, we, we we simply don't have the funding to do that." I haven't heard that. But if they start making decisions based on money that would be owed to someone and buyouts and things like that, is it going to be difficult to sell a fan base on that when then during the off season you're sending out press releases about the millions you're spending for drumsticks and guitars? <laughs> I hope and I don't mean that to be things. funny, but but no, but no, but you know, people always say, well, you know, if he not signing not, not signing this guy means he can buy another, you know, John Lennon guitar, or Paul McCartney guitar. Uh, yeah, I, again, it's again money. Yeah, they're gonna you know like like Matt Ryan, you know, almost certainly won't be back next year because they saved seventeen million dollars, and he and he didn't play real well when he was here at near the end. Although he won their four games for him, but money's always a factor. It, it just is, and how much money you can save, and how much money it's going to cost. I, I just, I, I do believe to a point that the owner will do whatever it takes to get a winner. But there, but there's still a, a choke point on on what you know whatever it takes means. It's you know they're not going to pay they're not going to pay a coach twenty million dollars. Probably would they bring Harbaugh here? For twenty million dollars a year, really? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Not that they wouldn't want to, but but could they afford that? And there's times in the off season with free agency that we always well, you they could make this work with the cap. I mean, you can do this well, but but it's the real money uh, that sometimes keeps them from doing what they want to do or, or feel like they need to do. It's you know, it, it's a guaranteed money that's real money, and, and that's that's so different from the cap. So, uh, again, I believe the owner will do whatever it takes financially, but there's always got to be a limit on how that impacts players and coaches and everything else. Over the weekend, we saw the Jacksonville Jaguars win the AFC South. That now secures that Jacksonville, Houston, and Tennessee have all won multiple divisional titles and have all won multiple playoff games since the Colts last won a single divisional title. How much does that eat at Jim Mersey? I think we use the word embarrassment. That's that's what it is. It's embarrassing. And what did they win one game in the division this year? Yep. Um, so, yeah, that, that's – and, again, I go back to that. That's what's been – remember Jim Mersey at the owners' meetings when it was Tennessee and Mike Vrabel in Tennessee and, you know, kicked our ass and this, that, and the other – and then you go out and you lose your first two games in the division. That is so much of it. You can't. It all starts in your division. I, you know, I, I realized back in the day, the Colts had a ten times better roster with with Peyton and all those guys, but they routinely owned the division as they should have. And, and now that that's just like a distant, distant memory, and you can't. It, it's hard to to think of them getting back to that. I mean, aren't you sitting there watching Jacksonville thinking? This is the AFC South team for the next I don't know four or five years that you got to deal with because they've, they've got a head coach who knows what the hell he's doing, and they got a quarterback. I mean, I realize there were times to check a few times where, where Trevor Lawrence didn't play that well, but my goodness, the last half of the season 
he looks like the real deal, and they got young talent around him. And he's twenty three, chap. He's twenty three years right. old. How about the? It, it's no, it's no different than when Peyton came in, and he's gonna if if he's the right guy, he's gonna be there for ten years. That's what this team has to deal with. The other teams, Tennessee's a mess. They're a mess. And Houston, yeah, they got all these draft picks on the number of brick. But but you don't know, and they've messed up draft picks before. At least Jacksonville has a quarterback and young talent around him. No one else in this division does. Chap, I've got two quick ones before we let you go, and really appreciate the time this morning. To your guys' point about Trevor Lawrence and his age, the oldest quarterback in the playoffs in the AFC, Patrick Mahomes at 27 years old. If you need to have any further reminder of how important it is that the Colts draft a quarterback coming up here in April. Um, so my question off that would be, do you think Jim Mercy will mandate the drafting of a quarterback in round one? Well, I would hope so, and I would think that the GM would say, well, of course we are. Yeah. Although although we've sat there before, and, and you know, and Chris was in very clear, it's got to be the right guy. Because if it's not the right guy, what do you say? You're all going to run my ass out of town. But I... Can, can you imagine the, the 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 blowback if they take I don't know a, an offensive tackle a, a pass rusher at two or, or at four although I think they're going to try to move up and take their quarterback in the future around two it'll be a hard sell. You said people you, drive off the road on four sixty five hearing that thought, chap. Yeah, people thought it, it, it was upsetting when they took Edgerin over Ricky Williams. Uh, but they, they've got to get their guy. The one thing, the, the fan base is really upset now, or apathetic, whichever, and you, you'd rather have them be upset. But if you can get a quarterback that you can believe in, that you think's a guy, it gives you hope. Well, you know, we're going to not be very good this year, but we've got this guy, and Peyton was 3-13 and 13 and all that stuff. But it gives you, it gives you a, a chance to see the light down, down the road. You know, it's also going to buy the head coach and the GM sometime because whoever they take, it's going to take a year or two to get things together. But boy, they just don't, they just, and then you bring in a young quarterback. Who's your veteran guy, you know, to, to kind of get you to when the rookie's ready. I mean, that, who's the next veteran in line? Last one from me, chap. Your biggest question for Chris, Chris Ballard tomorrow is what? Wow. I need to think about that, but, but how much, Ooh, how how do you feel that your that your power has been diminished by the owner? And is that expected when you've got an owner like that? Like when you've got an owner, or would you rather he just let you do your job? I, there's got to be a better way of, of of answering that. But that's sort of what I'm wondering: is does he feel like he's been? diminish as a GM and, and to some level how can you not Chap I'm going to give you a chip Jim Mercer likes to say all chips in right yep. we're going we're to play the roulette wheel I'm going to spin the roulette wheel you have the chip you get to place it on one of three numbers and if okay. that number hits you get a million dollars okay Super. You are picking, of these three <laughs> slots, you are picking the one that if you put your chip on it, and on opening day of next season, the person that you put your chip on is not a part of the Colts franchise, you get the million dollars. Your three-square your three option here, Chris Ballard, 
Slot two, Jeff Saturday. Slot three is the combo, Shaquille Leonard and Matt Ryan. Your chip goes where? Jeff Saturday. uh, If it's got to be Leonard and Matt Ryan, I'm not sure how you move Leonard if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, it's going to be hard to move him. With the injury. And I think Chris is back, and I think Chris is going to be given every chance to rebuild this. So I would say Jeff Saturday. Unless you got number four for me, and I don't think you do. Jonathan Taylor. He'll be here. Give, give me a, give me Bobby Okereke or well Okereke's a free agent. That's why I didn't man, put him. Chap there, wants right? a layup for these million for those million yeah, dollars well, here. Well, I'm trusting I'm trusting you guys that, that you're going to tell me it lands <laughs> on the right one, and I don't trust you guys at all. <laughs> the, uh, you know the the interesting thing to me if if Ballard returns, which that's fine, I get it, but if he does theoretically, Chap, he's got to be extended again. Because if he's drafting a quarter, if I'm Chris Ballard and I'm well, he's already a under contract through 2026. Yeah, but I'm starting. I mean, you need more than that. If, 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 yeah, 2026. If this thing isn't well on its way, I mean, they should already be in the playoffs by 2026. If not, there's going to be major hell to pay by everybody. I mean, you're starting so, uh, all over again. You draft a quarterback. The I've always said, chap. The clock doesn't start on a GM till he drafts a franchise quarterback, and that's probably going to happen this year. And then the clock starts ticking. You look at the AFC right now, guys. Years. All seven playoff quarterbacks, twenty-seven or younger, it can be and done. That, and that's one of the things that that really irks the fan base and irks the owner as they look around the league, and everybody's got not everybody, but there's a Joe Burrow and a Josh Allen and a Justin Herbert and Mahomes and on and on. And you say, gosh, I want one of those. Well, you know, you, you had two. <laughs> you had two of those. So, but it's in, until you get that guy, until you get that guy, you're just another team. But, Chap, it's why I get so fatigued on the whole, well, you know, the Colts got Andrew Luck's retirement just threw them across. I get it. That was not easy. But you know what? Like, not every team that we're looking at right now in the postseason with a young, big-armed quarterback – did it fall into their lap? Some of them, they had to go out and get that guy, and the Colts have sent back. Well, the, the, we're getting, I, I think, the expiration date of the Andrew Luck screwed his team over. we got to get past that because, totally. yes, he, he did what, what was right for him, and he screwed the team. Both things are right. Good for Andrew. He did what was right. But let's not, let's not dismiss the fact that he screwed this team. But, yes, he did, but... Get over it. Get past it and find a doggone quarterback. Chap, thank you for waking up with us, and uh, I will see you in a few hours. Take care, guys. See you, Jake. See you, Mike. It's a great Mike Chapel right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. Again, just to go over those uh, quarterbacks in the AFC, Mahomes is the oldest at 27 years old. Only two of the seven. I think there's this misconception of like, Oh, they all were number one overall picks. I mean, two of the seven. I mean, right. Burrow and, and Trevor Lawrence. But no one else was even the second pick, the third pick, or the fourth pick. And some of them, teams moved up. They said, that we like this guy, we're going to move up. Buffalo, together. Kansas City, Baltimore, all three giant trade-ups um, to get those QBs. Um, for those that are curious at all, the 2023 opponents for the Colts, the only time they travel out of the Eastern time zone trips to Nashville and Houston. Really? They play the AFC North 
and the NFC South. The New Orleans game is at home. They'll get the NFC the, South's a dumpster fire too, right? Right. Um, so of the 17 games on next year's schedule, only one game is against a team that won double-digit wins this past season. Yeah, they, I mean, so on paper, it is a very I mean, you can be playing schedule. Next year, that is you know, Baltimore, by the who's way. Who's going to be QBing Tampa? Who knows? Who's going to be QBing Carolina? Who knows? Who's going to be QBing Atlanta? Who knows? That entire division. Yeah, the Ooh. home slate does not have a lot of great quarterbacks, especially if Brady is gone. You're going to get Deshaun Watson and Raiders, Rams, Saints at home, Steelers. I guess Kenny Pitt. Uh, yeah. The Bengals won 12 games, too. It's the two, two teams' double-digit wins. Oh, yes, correct. Yes, thank you for that, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bengals, the other team that won double-digit there. So not a lot of trips. I guess they didn't, really didn't make a lot of trips, though, this year. Was Vegas, was that the only big trip for them? The trip everybody wants. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, we are well over. Let's hit a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Mark Dykin said this one has to be quick, so here we go. Yesterday, Jake loves this, Mark. I do. I absolutely love this. It was Northwestern over Indiana yesterday, 84-83 at Assembly Hall. Indiana next at Penn State. That's on Wednesday. Penn State trying to bounce back from a 76-63 loss to number one Purdue. Purdue now 4-0 on the road. Zach Eady had 30 and 13. By the way, speaking of Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday were winners. That put them into the playoffs because of the fact that some other teams lost. So that means I'm looking for the schedule here. For the playoff schedule, I was supposed to do this quick. Here we go. Oh, boy. Where's the playoff schedule? Jeez, I, I we're hitting a snag here, Mark. Uh, was Pittsburgh, well, Pittsburgh did not get in, did they? Because Miami no, won. Sorry. No. Uh, Jacksonville and the Chargers, matchup number one. Then the Dolphins, who won. That bounced Pittsburgh out, taking on Buffalo, Baltimore, and Cincinnati. Seattle and San Francisco. The Giants going to beat Minnesota and Dallas and Tampa. That is the wild card weekend schedule. Pacers yesterday, winners at the Fieldhouse over. Uh, who was it that they beat yesterday? I was there. Charlotte. I it. The Charlotte Hornets, thank you. National title tonight. National title game tonight, TCU and Georgia. That is a 13.5 point. Wrap it up. Wrap that up, dude. Wrap it up. the heck was that? Wrap it up. That was Dave Chappelle, Chappelle Show. It says wrap it up. I'm done. Wrap it up. Fan tweets of the game. We'll do that next here. Kevin and Corey. Post. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Game Headlines. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Honestly, this might be the thing I miss the most from this cold season. Post-game headlines. The post-game headlines. Fan tweets of the game. Five words or less. Describe what you just saw. You know, honestly, Jordan is accurate this. Incredible entertainment value and loss. Yeah. I mean, if you watched that game yesterday or you were there, I mean, you had to be entertained. Uh, Tom, best two-pointer since Keith Smart. <laughs> That's pretty solid. Uh, Scotty, TGIF, thank God it's finished. (laughs) (laughs) Another Scott said, time to root for Hines, Naheem Hines, in the playoffs. That's that's a solid one, I'd say. Nick, lower quartile of low quartile. (laughs) 
Tal, uh, Tall Short says, all chips in. Never mind. Fold. Yeah, Jordan said, Colts fold their hand. Easy B. Mark Dykton will love this one. Lovey's biggest win for Bears. Hell yeah. Uh, Boiler Tad. Luck Chuckles. That's capital Luck. Referring to Andrew. Luck Chuckles returns to book. John Boy. Almost blew it. Great loss. <laughs> Rob, losers find ways to lose. That is sadly well put. See fees just enough in the tank. Pearl said, Colts avoid franchise decimating win. And then Joe Galt said, Chicago, what for your pick? Yeah. M. Perfect said, winless against the Texans. Boy. <laughs> one four and one against the AFC South. Again, down by double digits in all six of those games this season. Brian, all chips gone. <laughs> yeah. Loud and proud for Stroud by Ryan. That was a frequent one as we got into December and January. Hey, Ballard, don't screw this up. One of my favorites. Will said, Colts loss makes Bears boss. That's that's not bad. Now, did Peterman get hurt in the game, Mark? He exited for a little bit, yeah. So they brought in Tim Boyle. So he was in for like a series, and then they brought Peterman Was Peter it ever close? Uh, no. No. My, I mean, my brother went to the game. I was like, why did you go? He's like, it's a free ticket, and they were like 50-yard line. I'm like, oh, all right. How about this one? Not how sausage is made. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this from Jake. This is not a fan tweet of the game, but Jake... Um, points out that the Colts have the worst point di- differential in the NFL. So for the season, that is negative 138. That's dead last in the NFL. If you just sliced out the Jeff Saturday eight-game era, that's negative 80 and it would rank 28th in the NFL. Did you say, is it supposed to be a four- or five-word tweet? Five words or less. Because this is the, this might be the winner. It, my apologies if you guys already read this one. It was the last one to come in. Thank God Texans are dumber. <laughs> That's a good one, too. I mean, I had Texans fans like kind of starting to like creep into my mentions as the game. And, I mean, to say they were irate would be the biggest understatement That's in the That's why world. they fired Lovey Smith, right? That Davis Mills throw to Brandon Cooks in the 4th and 12 was... And, and I, and I got to say this. I felt awful for Rodney Thomas II. He has the interception. Awesome sentimental moment. Puts the ball right above the three. Again, DeMar Hamlin's high school teammate. And when the Hail... Do you even call it a Hail Mary? No, it wasn't even Hail Mary. But when the fourth and 20 is thrown in the air, and I see this Colts defensive back mistime the jump and, and kind of whiff on it, it, I lost all like journalistic integrity there for a split second. I just said, please don't be Rodney Thomas. And sure enough, it was him. He was understandably very, very upset post game. Really did not want to talk much at all about the interception and the moment for DeMar Hamlin. He was he was pretty pissed about missing that batting down of a pass that would end of the game. It's all about timing, I guess, right? But- Should we talk about the game for a minute? Zach Moss runs very hard. He's got tree trunks for legs. I'm telling you, I I, I I know that I'm alone on this island, and I I'm I am fully aware of being alone on this island. I am absolutely. You're with Wilson. Pre- I'm prepared. That's right. <laughs> it's, I just me and a volleyball, right? And I'm totally prepared for all that comes with the backlash of sounding like an idiot when I say it. 
Jonathan Taylor is a wonderful, wonderful talent. He is a nice guy. He is a a dynamic running back and a very rare talent in the National Football League. But I feel like if there are teams that would want that, and I don't know that there are at, at this point teams that would give up a lot for that, but when you consider what it's going to cost to retain him and when you consider what is there in terms of being able to replace him, I would look very hard at seeing what you can get for him. Because to me, I, I always go back to, you can replace him with yeah. 75% the production mm-hmm. and do so at probably 40% the cost. Yeah, I would argue there's no more easily to replace position in the NFL than running back. Correct. And that's just, a, Taylor's a wonderful talent. And consistently over the course of 17 games, yeah, he's going to give you more than than many. But still, um, that's just the reality of the position that he plays. I thought kind of a mixed bag with Sam Ellinger. You know, try to play hero ball over the middle of the field, which is a recipe for disaster a couple times. I also thought he extended some plays. And I'm sure when you watch Matt Ryan and Nick Foles play, it's just a, just a reminder of what a somewhat mobile quarterback can do. But um, Ellinger... Did that a couple times. And then, you know, this is something that we did late last week. Again, great to see Paris Campbell finish the season on a high note. Rodney McLeod, he had the pick six, another name of a guy that I thought played pretty good football for you this season. And then Zaire Franklin, Jake, you mentioned earlier him eclipsing the Shaq Leonard franchise record in tackles. And Chase McLaughlin, I mean, 54 yards, boom. 9 of 12 on the year, Chase McLaughlin from north of 50. Yeah, he had a nice year. I mean... Most important free agent to re-sign, you could argue. It's kind of a sad statement, but a true statement. How about last night when I'm watching, and I, I guess I realized he was there, but, you know, the other guy, is Rodrigo Blankenship, was it injury that ultimately cost him, or hot rod, or was it just the lack of power on his leg because like why he got cut here yeah well i think of the miss in houston because michael badgley mm-hmm. you know he was he's, yeah with detroit he was kicking last night for detroit and i'm like man so poor hot rods watching two guys that he basically lost his gig to I, that are elsewhere hot rod went to arizona for a brief period and i think he got hurt yeah i saw he had a social media post where it's like just had some sort of i think hip surgery wow. um so prepare to make you know full comeback all that stuff uh jake this just further points out what you were saying earlier from Ryan. Look at the Chiefs. Neither of their running backs were on the roster to start the season. Yeah. Yeah, I Ronald Jones and Jarek McKinnon. I I don't know McKinnon where he was, but I mean um Pacheco, the kid from R- Rutgers, uh, he was a late late round pick who also runs for him, but yeah, Clyde Edwards-Helaire is just not really panned out to the degree that they they thought. I mean how old is Zach Moss? I have no idea. He's 25. Yeah, third year, I want to say. Yeah. He, he's under contact for next year, so he will He will be here. I don't know that Jonathan Taylor has trade value, but if there are teams that are willing to... He has trade value. It's just to the level that to, I don't right. think I mean, you I don't would you believe. Get, right. Correct. Again, the thing that hurts Taylor, because like we just saw Christian McCaffrey's trade value. Very impressive what Carolina got back for him. Christian McCaffrey plays on third down, is very effective in the passing game, and can line up as a wide receiver. 
in today's NFL, that's critical right. at the running back position in terms of value. Jonathan Taylor's not doing that. Now, I will contradict by saying this. I think the running back position has been devalued, and then I always give myself this caveat, unless you have Derrick Henry. Because when you've got a big bruising back like that that gets you five yards every carry, you can just move the chains by never going to the air. I don't know that Taylor Taylor's a home run hitter, but he's not necessarily in every down between the tackles back. To go a little bit more on the devil's advocate side of things, is Jonathan Taylor more important with a rookie quarterback? It's fair. It's fair because he keeps defenses a little more honest. All right, we'll run down the head coach openings. Again, we've added one since yesterday's games ended, so we're at four right now around the NFL. A Black Monday underway. That kind of a quiet start. Again, we'll mention that when we come back and look ahead to tonight's national championship game. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You and Georgia. Kevin Aquaria, one final time. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Okay, Mark just texted me this. This is fabulous. I want both of you guys to just give me your first answer instinctive. Don't think about it. Just boom, knee-jerk answer. Mark is texting you in studio? <laughs> different, different Mark. Oh. Different Mark. Um, the AFC South this year, of the four teams, which, which one had the second best record within the division? Titans. God, is it really Houston? Houston. <sighs> oh my gosh. Can you believe that? So they were three thirteen. Jacksonville and one. was four and two within the division. Tennessee was three and three. Indianapolis was one, four and one. Houston at three, two and one. Three, two, one, baby. Unbelievable. I would have said it was Texans mark, but that would have given you the answer. Uh okay, four openings. Texans joined the Panthers, Colts, and Broncos late last night. They fire Levy Smith when they return to Houston. So they will now be looking for a head coach for the second straight year. Where is the surprise Black Monday firing? I, I feel like we have it every year. It Seemed like there was some whispers late last week about Mike McDaniel, but the Dolphins make the playoffs, so I think he would be good for at least another week. Rams. I, I was going to say, is Sean McVay going to resign? Is that resign? a firing, though? It sounds like he might step away. I guess opening is what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Would that be Sean McVay? If I, that would be one, and I think that's entirely possible. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, maybe? But again, I don't, I don't, think I don't know if I call it a surprise. The other ones that I have have kind of thought about, Washington with Ron Rivera. I, mm-hmm. Is Kevin Stefanski good in Cleveland? Well, they fired their defensive coordinator this morning. So Joe Woods, yeah, mm-hmm. they fired him. Sounds like Matt Eberflus is fine. Josh McDaniels is fine. And the other odd one, does Mike Vrabel just get more control in Tennessee? I thought about that with Tennessee, to be honest with you. There's no GM there. They fired John Robinson late in the season. So that is one that I just it, that that's one that just needs some cl- little bit of a uh, cleaning up, clearing up, I should say. So did, we got four right did now. Did you mention the Jets? 
I think Robert Sally's okay, right? They, they, I mean, they got I mean, to figure out think, quarterback, but I would think. But then again, I, there's just two ways to look at it. You know, I mean, did they did they meet expectation or fall below expectation? Yeah, I don't. So we've got four. What do we get to? We get to six. If I set the over under at six and a half openings, Mike McCarthy. If the Cowboys get bounced by the Bucks on Monday. I think it would have to be ugly. But that is one that you never know with Jerry. And if he could get McVay, or excuse well, Sean yeah. Payton. If, if he get McVay or, or Payton. Brandon Staley, I mean, I know they're in the playoffs too, but that's another one where I think like, they're yeah, okay. He's they have a lot with, of injuries. Yeah. Still made the playoffs. Panthers reportedly will interview Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell. Sean Payton has says he's says that he's talked to the Broncos, made it very clear that stable and steady ownership. Is, is Sean Payton really a franchise changing coach? If he doesn't have, I don't think I'd be a one fan of the greatest of, passers in league history quarterbacking for him. Yeah, I don't think I'd be a fan of trading for him necessarily, Jake. But when you compare his resume to the others that we're talking about, the resume is pretty impressive. Well, I understand, but the resume of his quarterback was pretty darn good too, right? Would Jim Caldwell fall into that boat? What do you mean? I mean, like, I think Caldwell's pretty I, impressive. I, I guess what Caldwell did with the Lions probably right. stands out, honestly, more than what Sean Payton did with the Saints. I mean, I think Caldwell's... if he, Nothing about Caldwell blows you away, but he... I think he's pretty solid. I think he's a good coach. Mark, to counter your Cowboys point, what about does the loser of Cowboys Bucks could that be an opening? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think Todd Bowles has done anything to secure that job. Pete Carroll, that could be another one. How intriguing would that Seahawks job be if if he walked away? Yeah, Carroll's got to be at some point, and that would be a retirement. Right? You would that's right. Be, yeah, mm-hmm. fifth overall pick for Seattle coming up here. Um, you guys, interest level tonight? GCU in Georgia, six out of ten. If it's a good game, I'll stick around. Yeah, I'm probably a seven. I get torn on these like national title games. I think I talk myself into I really want it to be a good game, and so I'm a little ear like weary of my thought process. When it's midway I, through the fourth quarter at ten thirty, I'll start shutting it down. I, <laughs> according to ESPN, it says seven thirty. We'll see exactly what, what time it kicks. Um, I think TCU can hang around. I do. I do. Uh, let's get Matthew real quick. Matthew, Happy New Year. Can you hear me? Matthew, yeah. yeah. Matthew, are you, are you in a coughing fit? What's going on back there? Um, No, I've just been on hold so long that two colleagues have arrived into the office, and I probably should have hung up. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. Oh, no, right, thanks. Okay. No, you hung in yeah, there, there too long for that. What's yeah, up? I know. Uh, I just wanted to know if there was any chance that Jeff Saturday got retained as the head coach for 2023. Not saying I want it. Just yeah, curious. I, I, th- I think that, I mean, we had Chapel on earlier, said 60%. I threw it Chap, and he came back and put it closer to 50. I think, I think there's 40, a real chance. Right? Now, a question that I have for Jeff Saturday later today, and I don't know if he'll answer this, does he have any intrigue about the front office? That's what I remember when Saturday first came in. That was always, and thank you, Matthew, by the way. Um, I think Matthew has his colleagues listening to us. It sounded like pots and pans in the background, um, did it not? Yeah, they were. I think they were docking ships in Maine in the background. I think we're getting a 745 kick, by the way, tonight. 
I, I could be wrong. Say. That's what they say. I thought Saturday originally was brought in for front office. I'm not so sure. Georgia 31, TCU 23. Maybe a little bit more high scoring than that, actually. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Kevin Quarry signing off.